Hi, welcome back to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper. On today's episode, I am going to be ranking all eight of Taylor Swift's uh, studio albums. On last week's episode, I reviewed her latest album, Folklore, which some of you uh, may have listened to that episode by now, and hopefully you've listened to the album at least. And whenever she releases a new one, it gets me thinking about uh, where it falls uh, in the context of her catalog as a whole. Uh, So I revisited my rankings of her albums over the past uh, several weeks. Uh, I started the week after Folklore came out and then took a little break and then came back to it this week. And I've spent uh, three days straight uh, laboring over the outline for this one and uh, trying to first determine what exactly the order was going to be and then uh, coming up with... Uh, detailed enough uh, things to say about each one. The top two spots and the bottom two spots were pretty clear from the start, and what took so much time was those middle four uh, spots. The four of them were fairly close, and depending on which uh, criteria you prioritize, uh, you could end up with pretty much an entirely different order. So uh, that took some time, but I think I've arrived at uh, an order that I can stand behind. Of course, uh, attempting to quantify the unquantifiable presents somewhat of a quagmire, so I devised uh, a lot of ways to attempt to uh, metricize the differences between the albums uh, as an INTJ such as myself is uh, predisposed to do. So I started by lining each album up against each of the others and just went track by track, like track one of this one versus track one of the other one, track two versus track two, and so on, and just gave a check mark for whichever uh, one I preferred and then would tally up the score for each uh, matchup, if you will. And then uh, I compiled what each one's record was against all of the other albums. Then I added up the point differential of each one because some of them uh, had a lot of close calls where one in particular finished with a kind of poor record, but uh, they were all pretty close matchups, like you would lose by one or two points. And then I calculated their points per song. So I took, I added up the amount of uh, check marks that each album got across each matchup and then divided that by the number of songs on the album to uh, adjust for the disparities in Uh, length between the different albums because Lover, for instance, has 18 songs. So if it's a close call between it and another one, there's a decent chance that it won just by having extra songs. I also tried to correct for that by only awarding half a point to uh, each song for an album after the other one had run out of songs to compare. So Lover versus 1989, for example. 1989 only has 13 songs, so tracks 14 through 18 
only got lover half a point each instead of a whole point. Now, some of you may be thinking at this juncture that it's ridiculous to take such a uh, objective and uh, mathematical or sports-related uh, view at albums, but uh, hold on, because it gets worse. So after that, I devised a sort of rating scale with categories to put each song in and then went through each album uh, so that I was comparing each of them to a fixed scale as opposed to comparing them to each other because one thing that I noticed going track by track facing them off against each other was that some of them were kind of being punished just for having an unfortunate track listing and certain track numbers seemed to be a good song on just about all of the albums. So for instance, track three, you have Love Story, Back to December, Treacherous, Style, uh, and Lover, all uh, three really good track threes. So how are you supposed to choose between those? I mean, you can, but the difference is so small that it's uh, reflecting a disparity that isn't necessarily there. So my somewhat arbitrary categories for that second way that I attempted to sort them, which I will refer to as song score, were tempting to skip, which would result in a minus three, a mildly dislike, which was a minus one, neutral, which of course zero like which is plus one really like plus two love plus three and what i called goat or greatest of all time sticking with the uh the sports kind of theme which would award that song a plus five and only 17 fell into that category and i might have been a bit too generous and what I was trying to do with that is accurately reflect uh, both how damaging having a song that a listener wants to skip is to an album and also how big of a boost an album can get from having one that's in the conversation for the greatest songs or you know top 20 songs of that artist's career. And then I also sorted them by uh, which ones had the best opening song, because that's pretty important, which ones had the best closing song. Uh, I ranked them by theme or concept, uh, by flow, by lyrics, because that's especially important uh, with Taylor, as that's one of her strongest suits as an artist, uh, and then also by sonic palette and genre consistency or experimentation. Now, one final thing I'd like to mention before I dive straight into the rankings is that although I'm ordering them from worst to best for the purposes of this episode, I do genuinely enjoy all of them, and I think all of them have been perfect for the time and stage of my life that they were released in, and I'm not sure how much of that maybe was by design on Taylor's part uh, to the extent that I'm about the average age of most of her fan base. Uh, 
I could be wrong about that, but just speculating since I'm uh, basically five years younger than her. She's December 89 and I'm March 95. So I'm surmising that I'm about the average age of most of her fans. Uh, and, you know, her debut came out when I was in grade six. And even though I didn't really listen to it at the time that it came out, in hindsight, it's a, a fitting middle school album. And then Fearless came out when I was in grade eight. And it's, uh, I think, quite fitting for kind of early high school uh, stage of life. And then Speak Now came out when I was in grade 10. And it uh, fits perfectly for right in the heart of high school, I think, with the swells of emotion and imbuing a sort of uh, fairy tale sense of destiny into relationships and other life happenings and that sort of thing. And then Red came out when I was in grade 12, and I think it is a great album for just starting to dip your toes into adulthood and transitioning from high school into university. And then 1989 came out uh, when I was in my so that would have been second year of uh, undergrad. And I think it's perfect for the uh, sort of naively optimistic uh, view of adulthood when you're in the middle of your undergraduate years and have kind of maximum freedom with minimum responsibility. And then Reputation came out just after I finished my undergrad when I was taking a few random classes because I wasn't ready to leave school. And I think it is a great one for once the novelty of adulthood has started to wear off a bit and you're uh, not looking at it through such rose-colored glasses and maybe you've been burned a bit or realized you were too trusting in certain areas or realized that you're playing for keeps now and mistakes or what other people perceive to be mistakes aren't quite as easily forgiven as they were a few years prior. And then Lover came out uh, just before I started post-grad last year, and it's blending and reconciliation of 1989's optimism with reputations, maturity, and world weariness was the perfect soundtrack to going back to school after having spent a few years out in the so-called real world. And then, of course, folklore this year is perfect for wanting to escape into fantasy and a fantasized uh, remembrance of your past and uh, whatever else keeps you sane during quarantine. So, without further ado, the rankings. In last place at number eight, I have her eponymous debut released in 2006. Uh, to give you a perspective of how long ago this was, she lists her MySpace page on the back cover of the album. Now, speaking of the back cover, for each of the albums, I'm going to read her prologue that she puts in the liner notes because I think it's a great way to get some insight into where her head was at when she was making the album and how she sort of intended the listener to frame it because uh, 
for dinosaurs like me who are still out there, when you buy the physical album copy, you pull out the liner notes and sort of read along as you listen, uh, certainly the first time when you listen to a new album. In the case of the debut, though, the the main blurb inside the liner notes is a long list of thank yous to people who have helped her along the way, which of course is important, but I'm not going to bore you with reading that. Uh, it does have a short quote on the back though, so I'll read that. I'm not that complicated. My complications come out in my songs. All you have to do to be my friend is like me and listen. I think that helps put in perspective just how young she was when this one came out. Uh, it was released when she was 16, soon to turn 17, but mostly written and recorded when she was 15, 16, and certainly reflects the innocence and sometimes naivete that's associated with that age. This one finished uh, last place in just about all the categories. Uh, it was 0 for 7 in the matchups against the other albums with a minus 69 point differential. Uh, it averaged one point per song and had a four on the song score uh, scale. It has the weakest of her openers, I would say, although Tim McGraw is not a bad song, and it was the one that sort of introduced her to the world. Uh, our song, I don't think, is the worst closer, though I ranked it sixth. It's uh, still a pretty good song to this day. Now, all of that may lead you to believe that it's a completely terrible album. Wrong. Uh, it's actually a pretty decent album, and certainly when you consider her age, uh, it just can't compete with the uh, ones that came after it. It's easily her most country album, perhaps prohibitively so for fans that she gathered after this point in her career. Uh, but when you consider the fact that she wrote it at 15 or 16, it's incredibly impressive. The flip side of that is because she was so young, it would be an indictment of her subsequent releases if they didn't surpass it. I meant to rattle off the track listing at the beginning, so let me do that now quickly. Tim McGraw, Picture to Burn, Teardrops on My Guitar, A Place in This World, Cold as You, The Outside, Tied Together with a Smile, Stay Beautiful, Should Have Said No, Mary's Song, Oh My My My, Our Song. Uh, it suffers from having three that I'm tempted to skip in a row, and all of them are in the first half. A Place in This World, Cold as You, and The Outside. Uh, never do too much for me, and that definitely uh, has an adverse effect on the listening experience to have a three-song stretch that you're tempted to skip uh, right off the bat almost. Having said that, it's not without its bright spots. As I mentioned, Tim McGraw is a pretty good song. Teardrops on My Guitar is an unequivocally awesome song, in my opinion, and can stand up to most of the rest of her catalog. I've always had a soft spot for Mary's song, which tells the story of her elderly neighbors who had been childhood family friends sort of thing and then fell in love and were obviously still together in their elderly days when she was writing this song about them and uh, features uh, one of the lyrical highlights of the album for me.
Take me home where we met so many years before. We'll rock our babies on that very front porch after all this time. You and I, I'll be 87, you'll be 89. I still look at you like the stars that shine in the sky. I've always thought that was a cute sort of teenage perception of an elderly couple who have been soulmates all along. Our song also compares well to some later stuff in her catalog and has some great lines. Uh, I especially like at the end how she reprises the uh, beginning but then changes it halfway through, which is a trick she often employs. The song starts, I was riding shotgun with my hair undone in the front seat of his car. He's got a one-hand feel on the steering wheel, the other on my heart. And then the chorus is, our song is the slamming screen door, sneaking out late, tapping on your window, and so on. And then at the end, she says, I was riding shotgun with my hair undone in the front seat of his car. I grabbed a pen and an old napkin, and I wrote down our song. So I always thought that was a a nice ending to the song, and it's a good album closer. This debut of hers also establishes a pattern where every album of hers that has bonus tracks, at least one of the bonus tracks, I like better than at least one song that made the album. In this case, I would swap I'm Only Me When I'm With You for any one of several songs that actually ended up on the album. But uh, what can you do? At number seven, I have Fearless, which came out in 2008, and I'll start with the prologue for that one, which is as follows. This album is called Fearless, and I guess I'd like to clarify why we chose that as the title. To me, Fearless is not the absence of fear. It's not being completely unafraid. To me, Fearless is having fears. Fearless is having doubts. Lots of them. To me, Fearless is living in spite of those things that scare you to death. Fearless is falling madly in love again, even though you've been hurt before. Fearless is walking into your freshman year of high school at 15. Fearless is getting back up and fighting for what you want over and over and over again, even though every time you've tried before, you've lost. It's fearless to have faith that someday things will change. Fearless is having the courage to say goodbye to someone who only hurts you, even if you can't breathe without them. I think it's fearless to fall for your best friend, even though he's in love with someone else. And when someone apologizes to you enough times for things they'll never stop doing, I think it's fearless to stop believing them. It's fearless to say you're not sorry and walk away. I think loving someone despite what people think is fearless. I think allowing yourself to cry on the bathroom floor is fearless. Letting go is fearless. Then moving on and being alright, that's fearless too. But no matter what love throws at you, you have to believe in it. You have to believe in love stories and Prince Charmings and Happily Ever After. That's why I write these songs, because I think love is fearless. And that notion of fairy tales is reflected throughout the album. I think it kind of represents that old saying, may your heart remain breakable but never by the same hand twice. Uh, This one finished one in six in the uh, matchups, which was seventh, had a minus 21 point differential, also seventh. Uh, a 2.92 points per song and a 16 song score which was also both of those were also seventh i think it has the third best opener though the title track fearless is a really good opener 
but it suffers from having what, in my opinion, is the worst uh, closer of all eight of her albums. I've never been a big fan of the song Change, which uh, leads me to the track listing. Fearless, 15, Love Story, Hey Steven, White Horse, You Belong With Me, Breathe featuring Colby Calais, Tell Me Why, You're Not Sorry, The Way I Loved You, Forever and Always, The Best Day, Change. This one also has her MySpace page on the back cover, by the way, so pretty old. Overall, Fearless represents a gargantuan leap from her debut. Stylistically speaking, it's still fairly country, but you can quite clearly hear pop making its way into her sound already. Uh, the notion that she suddenly went pop in 2014 with 1989 is ridiculous. Fearless is interesting because it starts off as strong as any of her albums, and I don't mean that hyperbolically at all. Fearless, 15, Love Story, Hey Steven, White Horse, You Belong With Me is as good of a six-song stretch as you'll find on any of her albums. The problem is, after that, it loses quite a bit of steam, at least to my taste, and uh, there are four songs on the uh, latter half or so of the album that I either mildly dislike or am tempted to skip. Tell me why you're not so sorry the way I loved you and change. I do like forever and always, and I quite like the best day. So really, it's an album of peaks and valleys, but they're not really interspersed with each other. It's more like one big peak followed by a fairly deep valley, at least to me. But I don't want to downplay how strong those first six songs are. I mean, they so perfectly capture the high school experience that it's almost like no one else needs to write about it anymore. They're uh, that good. As far as lyrical highlights, the opening lines of the title track set the tone wonderfully right off the bat and perfectly capture the wide-eyed optimism of your early teen years when you're just entering high school. It goes, There's something about the way the street looks when it's just rained. There's a glow off the pavement. You walk me to the car, and you know I want to ask you to dance right there in the middle of the parking lot. And then the chorus manages to slam a bunch of Swiftisms together, dancing, rain, dancing in the rain, and items of clothing. It goes, and I don't know how it gets better than this. You take my hand and drag me head first, fearless. And I don't know why, but with you I'd dance in a storm in my best dress, fearless. Incidentally, there's quite a storm going on outside my window right now, which you may or may not be able to hear. Then the opening lines of 15 perfectly capture the feeling of your first day of high school. You take a deep breath and you walk through the doors. It's the morning of your very first day. You say hi to your friends you ain't seen in a while. Try and stay out of everybody's way. Uh, if that doesn't perfectly describe your first day of ninth grade, I don't know what does. The second half of that verse is, it's your freshman year and you're going to be here for the next four years in this town, hoping one of those senior boys will wink at you and say, you know, I haven't seen you around before. Now, having been a senior boy, that doesn't always go the way it does in a Swift song, so uh, be mindful, guys. Now, the first Swift show that I went to, which was on the 1989 tour, the second night in Toronto on that tour, uh, when I went with my sister, 
Taylor played 15 as the older song in the short little acoustic set that she was doing that to her. And one, a line towards the end of the second verse in 15 was the highlight of the show for me. It's the line, and then you're on your very first date and he's got a car and you feel like flying the way she goes up on flying and drags out the word and the whole stadium was singing along. It was a really cool moment. But that line also captures part of her genius, which, and I read this in a, a review ranking all of her songs recently, so it's not 100% my idea, but I totally agree with it. That line captures her awareness of how many of us live our teen years somewhat vicariously, even as we're experiencing them. Notice how the emphasis of the line isn't on what actually happens on the date, but on how it made her feel like flying. And then the wisest line of the song comes at the end of the second time through the chorus. In your life, you'll do things greater than dating the boy on the football team, but I didn't know it at 15. I think that's a perfect example of some words of wisdom being offered by someone who's a few years down the road without being patronizing at all which can be more difficult than you think and is an underrated skill. And then Love Story, which uh, sees her retelling the Romeo and Juliet story. The whole thing is the lyrical highlight, but the twist at the end where she gives it a happy ending would have to be the highlight amongst the highlights. And, uh, you know, finally someone in a Shakespearean story confronts their problem head-on and resolves it instead of all the secrecy and never grabbing the bull by the horns I'm looking at you othello my god i had to read that in first year university and i thought my head was going to explode at the uh, the fact that the entire plot was propelled by people never going to the person that they actually had an issue with and uh Anyway, thankfully, Taylor puts a good spin on this version of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Romeo, save me. I've been feeling so alone. I keep waiting for you, but you never come. Is this in my head? I don't know what to think. He knelt to the ground and pulled out a ring and said, Marry me, Juliet. Never have to be alone. I love you, and that's all I really know. I talked to your dad. Go pick out a white dress. It's a love story. Baby, just say yes. Even the cutesy little Hey Steven has some hidden gems lyric-wise. In the second verse when she sings, The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you say my name, uh, that's an underrated uh, turn-on or aspect in a potential partner, I think, the way they say your name. So I think that's a clever little line. And then my favorite has always been Hey Steven, I could give you 50 reasons why I should be the one you choose. All the other girls, well, they're beautiful, but would they write a song for you? And then her little laugh after is definitely my favorite laugh on any of her songs, I think. Much better than the one in uh, This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things nine years later, which is more of a cackle, really. And then White Horse shows that she was already aware to some extent that the whole fairy tale notion is a bit of a ruse, despite what she wrote in the prologue after the uh, second time through the chorus and there you are on your knees begging for forgiveness begging for me just like i always wanted but i'm so sorry 
because I'm not your princess, this ain't a fairy tale. Then You Belong With Me is expertly crafted, start to finish, and the lyrics are no exception, but the highlight within the highlight is definitely the bridge, which is the highlight of the whole song. Oh, I remember you driving to my house in the middle of the night. I'm the one who makes you laugh when you know you're about to cry. I know your favorite songs and you tell me about your dreams. I think I know where you belong. I think I know it's with me. That is a very well-written bridge. The back half has a couple gems in there, lyrically as well. On Forever and Always, the opening line goes, Once upon a time, I believe it was a Tuesday when I caught your eye. It almost seems like a, a sort of, that's not a detail a normal person would remember, so I'll pretend I'm not quite sure if it was a Tuesday uh, kind of line. I just get a kick out of that. And then I like the line a bit later, was I out of line? Did I say something way too honest made you run and hide like a scared little boy? Uh, combined with her vocal delivery, it's a pretty eviscerating line. So overall, for Fearless, as I said, some of the highest peaks of any of her albums, led by Love Story and You Belong With Me, which remain two of her all-time best songs, uh, You Belong With Me in particular is an utterly perfect song, I dare say on the level of Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys and I Can't Get No Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones as far as a perfect record when you consider like the song and also just the nuances of the studio recording itself with uh, the modulation on the bridge in this case and all that. You know, some songs are all-time great songs, but it's not so much the record itself. Like, it remains a great song even when it's live. Like, all the live versions are cool and, like, maybe Light My Fire by The Doors, for instance. I mean, well, that's a good record, too. Where am I? No Quarter by Led Zeppelin. That's a, or Dazed and Confused. Great songs, but they almost become even better live. Some, like, Good Vibrations and Satisfaction, just there's some, there's a lightning in the bottle quality about the studio version that is never quite replicated live. And I think You Belong With Me is one of those where the studio version is just an utterly perfect three and a half minutes or whatever it clocks in at somewhere around there. 352. Looking down at the cover here. But, as I also mentioned earlier, has some of the lowest valleys of all of her albums, uh, the second half being more or less forgettable besides Forever and Always, and more so The Best Day, which I've always loved and is a really cute song about uh, kind of basically a love letter to her mom saying that she had the best day with her describing a couple of different days or types of days that they had when she was a child. And once again, there is at least one bonus track from the Fearless Platinum Edition that I would swap for a few of the ones that actually made the album. In this case, Jump Then Fall, I would have put on instead of uh, any one of the ones that I identified as ones I'm tempted to skip. And I also think Today Was a Fairy Tale should have been on Fearless. It was written and recorded around the same time, and then 
not released until the Valentine's Day soundtrack a little over a year later and never ended up on on one of her albums. It's always just been a non-album single and was on the movie soundtrack, of course, which I think is unfortunate because uh, it's one of my favorites of hers and I think it would have fit really well with the general fairy tale theme of Fearless. At number six, I have Lover, which came out in 2019. The foreword for this one is, when I found my old diaries from my childhood and teen years, they were covered in dust. I'm not just saying that for poetic effect. They were truly dusty, with pictures drawn of first day of school outfits and inspirational quotes I used to retrace over and over to get me through doubtful moments. I'd practice my autograph and tape my guitar picks to the pages. In the entries I daydreamed on paper and mused about who might ask who to the dance or how nervous I was singing the national anthem at the local baseball game. I frequently and drastically changed my opinions on love, friends, confidence, and trust. I vented, described memories in detail, jotted down new song ideas, and questioned why I would ever even try to shoot for a career I had such a small chance of ever attaining. But what shocked me the most was how often I wrote about the things I loved. Writing a new song, riding in the car with my mom, the purple-pink sky above the soccer field on the walk home, the one night in middle school when none of my friends were fighting, the dazzle of opal necklaces I couldn't afford gleaming from a department store jewelry case. I wrote about tiny details in my life in these diaries from a bygone age with such wonderment, intrigue, romance. I noticed things and decided they were romantic, and so they were. In life we grow up and we encounter the nuanced complexities of trying to figure out who to be, how to act, or how to be happy. Like invisible smoke in the room, we wonder what kind of anxiety pushes you forward and what kind ruins your ability to find joy in your life. We constantly question our choices, our surroundings, and we beat ourselves up for our mistakes. All the while, we crave romance. We long for those rare, enchanting moments when things just fall into place. Above all else, we really, really want our lives to be filled with love. I've decided that in this life, I want to be defined by the things I love, not the things I hate, the things I'm afraid of, or the things that haunt me in the middle of the night. Those things may be my struggles, but they're not my identity. I wish the same for you. May your struggles become inaudible background noise behind the loud, clear voices of those who love you and appreciate you. Turn those voices up in the mix in your head. May you take notice of the things in your life that are nice and make you feel safe and maybe even find wonderment in them. May you write down your feelings and reflect on them years later, only to learn that all the trials and tribulations you thought might kill you didn't. I hope that someday you forget that pain ever existed. I hope that if there is a lover in your life, it's someone who deserves you. If that's the case, I hope you treat them with care. This album is a love letter to love itself. All the captivating, spellbinding, maddening, devastating, blue, or red, sorry, red, blue, gray, golden aspects of it. That's why there are so many songs. In honor of fever dreams, bad, bad boys, confessions of love on a drunken night out, Christmas lights still hanging in January, guitar string scars on my hands, 
false gods, and blind faith. Memories are jump of jumping into an icy outdoor pool, creeks and floorboards, and ultraviolet morning light. Finally finding a friend and opening the curtains to see the clearest, brightest daylight after the darkest night. We are what we love. This is Lover. Sorry for the length. I hope you find me reading these prologues useful. I'm kind of doing it for the benefit of those of you who don't own physical copies of the albums. Anyhow, so with all that in mind, this album finished three and four in my matchups, had a plus 12 uh, point differential, which was tied for third, uh, the three and four record ranked fifth. Uh, It came in sixth in points per song, 3.44, and a 27 song score, which was also sixth. Uh, I think it has an okay opener in I Forgot That You Existed. Uh, It's an appropriate tone setter, though, for the album and the era, which uh, is ultimately one of the main functions of the opening song. And uh, a great closer, though, in Daylight. I really like Daylight. Which leads us to the track listing, which is the longest of her career, as she alluded to in the prologue. I Forgot That You Existed, Cruel Summer, Lover, The Man, The Archer, I Think He Knows, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince, Paper Rings, Cornelia Street, Death by a Thousand Cuts, London Boy, Soon You'll Get Better, featuring the Dixie Chicks, False God, You Need to Calm Down, Afterglow, Me, featuring Brendan Urie of Panic at the Disco, It's Nice to Have a Friend, and Daylight. I think Lover might have the most variety uh, of all of her albums. It would be between it and Red. Uh, I guess it's not surprising with uh, 18 songs that it would have a lot of it. Uh, You get an almost reggae-ish feel with I Forgot That You Existed, more kind of regular pop with Cruel Summer. Uh, You get a waltz with Lover, hip-hop with The Man, a nebulous sort of mood piece with The Archer, probably the most baseline driven song in her catalog with I Think He Knows, kind of rap-ish mixed with pop with Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince, London Boy and You Need to Calm Down. You get kind of pop punk slash rock with Paper Rings, a more traditional storytelling tailor with Cornelia Street, choral harmonies with clean guitar and conga-style percussion alternating, taking the lead in Death by a Thousand Cuts, soft acoustic kind of folk with banjo in Soon You'll Get Better, late-night jazzy R&B with False God, a wide atmospheric mix with Afterglow, a marching band-style snare on me, indie with choral harmonies and steel drum and kind of a reggae-ish pulse to the lyrics in It's Nice to Have a Friend, and then the 80s synth sound of 1989 mixed with the reputation style percussion and vocals in Daylight. Any album with that degree of diversity, though, runs the risk of being a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I'm not sure if I would go that far with Lover, but certainly on other albums of hers where she's zeroed in on a smaller selection of genres to explore, she's able to go a bit Uh, deeper with them, and more importantly, it can lead to a bit smoother of a listening experience when there isn't uh, too much variety to digest. Uh, 
then again, when you read the prologue and hear that representing love in all of its shapes and forms and varieties was her goal, then I think the variety uh, serves it well and she accomplished that goal. As far as lyrical highlights, I really like the line in I Forgot That You Existed would have been right there front row, even if nobody came to your show. Uh, maybe it just hits home for me as a musician, knowing how much that would mean to me, but I like that line. In Lover, I like the line, and there's a dazzling haze, a mysterious way about you, dear. Have I known you 20 seconds or 20 years? Kind of gives off enchanted vibes uh, from Speak Now, of course. Uh, and then I like the whole bridge, which I will read to you. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please stand with every guitar string scar on my hand? I take this magnetic force of a man to be my lover. My heart's been borrowed and yours has been blue. All's well that ends well to end up with you. Swear to be over dramatic and true to my lover. And you'll save all your dirtiest jokes for me. And at every table, I'll save you a seat, lover. I like the imagery of her uh, swearing her vows with a guitar string scarred hand. And I think the last two lines display a, a more mature, nuanced conception of true love. Most days it's the little things like saving your dirty jokes and seats at tables for each other as opposed to constantly having grand romantic gestures. Basically all of the man is a lyrical highlight and I think it deserves to be a feminist anthem for years to come. Uh, she details lots of, you know, double standards and ways in which uh, stuff that she does is judged uh, unfairly because she's a woman and if she did certain things that male artists do, she would get raked over the coals for it. Uh, and then I'll just read the punchline because if I was a man, then I'd be the man. Uh, saying that, like, look, if I had the exact same career that I've had till this point as uh, this time, she was a 29-year-old this time last year, uh, if I had had that exact same career up until this age as a male artist, you would be, you know, putting me in the same category as any number of the all-time greats. Because if you think about it, she writes songs like Bob Dylan and now tours like Led Zeppelin or the Rolling Stones, which is a pretty deadly combo. But uh, instead, because she's a woman, the, everyone just wants to focus on her love life and all of that periphery stuff. In I Think He Knows, I like the line, he got my heartbeat skipping down 16th Avenue, which is a reference to Musicians Row in Nashville. I also wonder if it's a little bit of musician's humor, uh, saying that he has her heartbeat skipping uh, like 16th notes, which of course are uh, a fairly quick pace. In Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince, I think you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes is a good summation of the current political scene. In Paper Rings, I love the whole chorus. This is one of my favorite songs on the album, actually. It goes... I like shiny things, but I'd marry you with paper rings. Uh-huh. That's right, darling. 
You're the one I want, and I hate accidents except when we went from friends to this. Uh-huh, that's right, darling. You're the one I want. In paper rings, in picture frames, in dirty dreams, you're the one I want. I think that's uh, one of the better choruses she's written, at least in recent memory. Cornelia Street, I think, is the most old Taylor song on Lover and is full of classic old Taylor style details that uh, almost slide under the radar at first. Like, I rent a place on Cornelia Street, I say casually in the car, we were a fresh page on the desk filling in the blanks as we go, as if the streetlights pointed in an arrowhead leading us home. Like, that is a great little set of couplets. Uh, windows flung right open, autumn air jacket round my shoulders is yours. We bless the rains on Cornelia Street, memorize the creeks in the floor. Uh, yeah, so lots of good little lines in that one. In Death by a Thousand Cuts, I like the line that goes, I dress to kill my time, I take the long way home, I ask the traffic lights if it'll be alright, they say I don't know. I think we can all re relate to taking the long way home when we're uh, in our feels, as the kids would say these days, about something. Uh, and I think it's one of the best examples of her humorous side, uh, asking, like talking to the traffic lights, asking them if it'll be all right. Uh, and I think uh, her humorous side shines through better when it's used subtly like this, as opposed to an outright gag. Uh, that would be true for most people. Uh, and then the line a bit later in the song, paper cut stings from our paper thin plans, uh, which shows that she can be just as effective with the more tidbit style of lyrics that uh, pop calls for. Speaking of humor, uh, I think London Boy uh, has a lot of it and the criticisms of it as cheesy miss how tongue in cheek it's supposed to be. I mean, Obviously, a lyricist of her caliber only fills a song with lines like, you can find me in the pub, we are watching rugby, if she's joking around. In Soon You'll Get Better, which is about her mom's uh, cancer battle, the first half of the first verse is very evocative and uh, puts you in a doctor's office in your mind right away. The buttons of my coat were tangled in my hair in doctor's office lighting. I didn't tell you I was scared. That was the first time we were there. And then the second half contains a rare, at least for the past decade or so, reference to her faith. Holy orange bottles, each night I pray to you. Desperate people find faith, so now I pray to Jesus too. And I say to you, and then the chorus, Ooh, soon you'll get better. And you need to calm down. I like the line, you say it in the street, that's a knockout. But you say it in a tweet, that's a cop-out. I think that's a uh, a very astute criticism of the uh, the cowardice of a lot of people these days who have a lot to say when they're hiding behind their keyboard, the uh, the so-called keyboard warriors. In Afterglow, I like the line: "Fighting with a true love is boxing with no gloves," as in you know it actually leaves a mark and injures. It's nice to have a friend is a uh, kind of a hidden gem, I think, but a great uh, penultimate song for the album. And it could either be taken as 
each of the verses being about a separate person or about the same person. Uh, the first verse describes like a childhood friend, and then the second verse is if it's the same person, you know, when it starts to be more than friends. And then the third verse is them getting married. Uh, I like the end of that one. Have my back, yeah, every day. Feels like home. Stay in bed the whole weekend. It's nice to have a friend. Uh, yeah, I think it's more likely that it's each of the three verses are about the same person. And that's one of my favorites on the album. And also the line at the start of the second verse, light pink sky up on the roof, ties in nicely to the, the pastel uh, theme of the album cover and uh, the era in general, the way she rebranded herself on social media to coincide with the release. And then Daylight has some great lines as well to close it out. Uh, clearing the air, I breathed in the smoke is a good uh, reminder that getting things off your chest the wrong way can often do more harm than good. And then the best line of the song, I think, is I once believed love would be burning red, but it's golden, like daylight, which obviously references the Red album and uh, suggests that she now has a more nuanced, uh, adult, realistic, however you want to put it, a view of true love now, you know, realizing that it's not constant emotional swells and grand sweeping gestures, uh, not a perpetual state of limerence. Otherwise, we'd never accomplish anything and it would be exhausting. Uh, I mean, obviously, those things are still important. Uh, but, you know, it gives you clarity, not confusion and obscured judgment. And what else do we know about daylight? It's been showing up every morning without fail for thousands, if not millions of years, depending on who you ask. And I think that's one of the, one of the best features of uh, true love. And when, once you've found whoever your one is, being able to relax into the fact that uh, they'll, they'll still be there in the morning, no matter what happened. Uh, not that you should uh, you know, fall into complacency because of that, but some sense of security is good. Ultimately, I think lovers' diversity is a blessing and a curse. It has something for everybody in every mood, which lends itself nicely to repeated listens and or cherry-picking when you're not in the mood for a full album, but it can also feel a bit schizophrenic and choppy. And also 18 songs is a lot, no matter how good the album is. I mean, I even get fatigued towards the end of Exile on Main Street, the uh, the Stones double album with 18 songs sometimes. Uh, it sags a bit in the last third, which doesn't help in that regard, but it's saved by the very strong closing one-two punch. Uh, it's nice to have a friend, and Daylight are uh, two of my real favorites of hers now. And I should have done this at the beginning, and uh, with the debut in Fearless as well, after I read the track list, just quickly say which ones I like, love, and whatever. Um, I won't go back to those two, but I'll do it for this one quickly. So, I forgot that you existed. I put in the either like or really like category. Cruel Summer, really like. Lover, I put in the goat category. The Man... I think was a, a like or really like 
same for I think he knows Miss Americana was alike. Paper Rings and Cornelia Street, love those two. Death by a Thousand Cuts, really like or love. Uh, same with London Boy. Soon you'll get better, like or really like. False God, just the like. You need to calm down. Neutral, I believe. Afterglow, also neutral. Me was attempted to skip. And it's nice to have a friend in daylight, both love. So to cut a long, long story short, for Lover, great variety, blessing and a curse, not enough ultra-high peaks to compensate for a few of its valleys like me. Number five, I have 1989, which came out in 2014. And its uh, prologue or foreword goes as follows. I was born in Reading, Pennsylvania on December 13th, 1989. In the world we live in, much is said about when we are born and when we die. Our birthday is celebrated every year to commemorate the very instant we came into the world, and a funeral is held to mark the day we leave it. But lately I've been wondering, what can be said of all the moments in between our birth and our death, the moments when we are reborn? The debate over whether people can change is an interesting one for me to observe because it seems like all I ever do is change. All I ever do is learn from my mistakes so I don't make the same ones again. Then I make new ones. I know people can change because it happens to me little by little every day. Every day I wake up as someone slightly new. Isn't it wild and intriguing and beautiful to think that every day we are new? For the last few years, I've woken up every day not wanting, but needing, to write a new style of music. I needed to change the way I told my stories and the way they sounded. I listened to a lot of music from the decade in which I was born, and I listened to my intuition that it was a good thing to follow this gut feeling. I was also writing a different storyline than I'd ever told you before. I wrote about moving to the loudest and brightest city in the world, the city I had always been overwhelmed by, until now. I think you have to know who you are and what you want in order to take on New York and all its blaring truth. I wrote about the thrill I got when I finally learned that love, to some extent, is just a game of cat and mouse. I wrote about looking back on a lost love and understanding that nothing good comes without loss and hardship and constant struggle. There is no riding off into the sunset like I used to imagine. We are never out of the woods, because we are always going to be fighting for something. I wrote about love that comes back to you just when you thought it was lost forever, and how some feelings never go out of style. I wrote about an important lesson I learned recently, that people can say whatever they want about me, but they can't make me lose my mind. I've learned how to shake things off. I've told you my stories for years now. Some have been about coming of age, some have been about coming undone. This is a story about coming into your own, and as a result, coming alive. I hope you know that you've given me the courage to change. I hope you know that who you are is who you choose to be, and that whispers behind your back don't define you. You are the only one who gets to decide what you will be remembered for. From the girl who said she would never cut her hair or move to New York or find happiness in a world where she is not in love.
love Taylor. I think that bit about uh, it being a story about coming into your own and as a result coming alive uh, ties into what I said at the beginning about this being a perfect album for that early adulthood stage, kind of undergraduate university years where you're just diving headfirst into all of the freedom that comes with that uh, before you've been burned too badly and or been burdened by too much responsibility. 1989 finished with a two and five record in the matchups and a plus one point differential, both of which were sixth, but it had the fourth highest uh, points per song at 3.77, which I weighed heavily and it came fifth in song score with a 28. The track listing for this one goes Welcome to New York, Blank Space, Style, Out of the Woods, All You Had to Do Was Stay, Shake It Off, I Wish You Would, Bad Blood, Wildest Dreams, How You Get the Girl, This Love, I Know Places, and Clean. Welcome to New York would be a like bordering on love one for me i think it's a middle of the pack opener uh, as far as her discography goes uh i think it ready ready for it for reputation and i forgot that you existed for lover kind of in a three-way tie for fifth in my mind just a hair behind the one for folklore and the order between those three or four even kind of oscillates depending on the day uh, Blank Space, of course, is a a classic and one of her uh, tightest and overall best pure pop songs. Uh, same for style. Uh, both of those would be in the the love category, and I think I put Blank Space in the the goat category. Out of the Woods has never been one of my favorites, and I put it in either the neutral or mildly dislike category she she was firing on all cylinders at this point so it would be tough for her to uh, write one that's uh, tempted to skip i mean even the ones i'm not keen on they're still like good songs that aren't a slog to get through but out of the woods has never been one of my favorites uh, all you had to do was stay i quite like uh, shake it off uh, lyrically there really isn't too much groundbreaking uh, going on but I like the drums in it and uh, the bass drum tone especially so I put it in the like category I think I don't remember exactly w which box I put them all in but I did add it up and do it properly when I was compiling it all so rest assured uh, I wish you would I am a big fan of it like that one a lot bad blood uh sort of same deal as out of the woods uh in the neutral to mildly dislike category as i say it's still a well done uh song from like a production and performance standpoint and all of that and has some decently clever lines i just think the celebrity feud songs can be a bit much at times and with Shake It Off, I think uh, Mean Off of Speak Now is a better uh, Don't Worry About the Haters uh, sort of song. 
at least I prefer it. Um, but then track nine, Wildest Dreams, is one of my absolute favorites of hers, like top five of her career, I would say. Love, love, love that song. So it was obviously in the GOAT category. Um, How You Get the Girl is uh, nothing groundbreaking uh, lyrically, but nice enough. Uh, This Love I quite like. Uh, I Know Places is, I put it in the like category. Uh, And then Clean, I think, is a very good closer. I think it's uh, important to appreciate, especially if any of you are listening to this several years from now, uh, it's important to appreciate how ubiquitous this album was in late 2014 and basically all of 2015 while she was on tour behind it. Uh, Perhaps I'm still recovering from hearing it so often, but it was basically impossible to... Uh, go to a mall for a year and a half with and be there for even a half an hour without hearing at least one song from this. Uh, 1989 is very cohesive and has excellent flow. Uh, the flip side of the cohesion is a lack of diversity compared to some of the other albums. Uh, it more or less sticks to the synth-based uh, pop the whole way, but to quote Wildest Dreams, it does it so well, so it's not really an indictment. And also, it's the most concise of the serious contenders at only 49 minutes, which is the second shortest. Uh, only the debut was shorter, and only 13 songs, which is uh, tied for second fewest with Fearless. So uh, that helps the lack of diversity to matter significantly less. I also think it's a clever touch, including. Uh, Polaroids of herself with lyrics from the album written in the white uh, space with the deluxe editions uh, because in Out of the Woods there's the line, you took a Polaroid of us. I also think 1989 has the best bass drum sound uh, of all of her albums, as I mentioned, uh, talking about Shake It Off. Uh, I dare say Bonham-esque even keeps on raining, levee's gonna break. As far as lyrical highlights, I think the first verse of Welcome to New York is real good. Walking through the crowd, the village is aglow. Kaleidoscope of loud heartbeats under coats. Everybody here wanted something more. Searching for a sound we hadn't heard before. And it said, Welcome to New York. I've, it's been waiting for you. Welcome to New York. And that's into the chorus there. And then Blank Space, uh, which finds her sort of embracing the media view of her as a a man-eater or a serial dater, uh, which it's interesting that at this point she was still having a laugh about it. Uh, I think people forget how much it took for her to finally snap the way that she did on Reputation. Uh, good lines in Blank's place are, Blank Space, uh, pardon me, are a plenty. New money, suit and tie, I can read you like a magazine is a good one. Uh, I can make the bad guys good for a weekend is uh, one of the, a few hints on this album that show or that hint at uh, how she would embrace her sexuality more fully on reputation and beyond. Uh, probably the 
Uh, in uh, Wildest Dreams are the best example of that. And uh, back to blank space. But you'll come back each time you leave, because darling, I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream is another great line. And then in style, which describes a late night rendezvous in the second verse, so it goes, he can't keep his wild eyes on the road, takes me home, lights are off, he's taking off his coat. I say I heard, oh, you've been out and about with some other girl. He says what you heard is true, but I can't stop thinking about you. And I said, I've been there too a few times, which is uh, one of the first instances of her sort of slowly or gently or discreetly uh, trying to distance herself a little bit from the uh, sort of Minnie Mouse uh, good girl uh, image that had uh, characterized the perception of her earlier in her career. Uh, she was 24, soon to be 25 when this one came out, so you can... Uh, imagine that it would get a little exhausting having to try to keep up that image at that age. Skipping ahead to I Wish You Would, I like how the first two verses are the same event from her perspective and the guy's perspective. Uh, first the guy's perspective, and then the final verse is them together. The The first verse from his perspective goes... It's 2 a.m. in your car. Well, okay, her describing his perspective. It's 2 a.m. in your car, windows down, you pass my street, the memories start. You say it's in the past, you drive straight ahead. You're thinking that I hate you now because you still don't know what I never said. And then after the chorus, her verse, it's 2 a.m. in my room, headlights past the window pane, I think of you. We're a crooked love in a straight line down makes you want to run and hide then it makes you turn right back around so i thought that's neat how she sees the headlights in the window and thinks of him and they indeed are his headlights uh, and then the the last verse where it's them together 2 a.m here we are see your face hear my voice in the dark we're a crooked love in a straight line down makes you want to run and hide but it made us turn right back around and then Wildest Dreams, the whole thing is a highlight. I love how she's uh, sort of embracing the idea of uh, an affair, however you want to refer to it, that uh, she kind of knows from the start likely won't be a forever thing. And then I think the chorus especially uh, is a highlight say you'll remember me standing in a nice dress staring at the sunset babe red lips and rosy cheeks say you'll see me again even if it's just in your wildest dreams and then it has those great uh sighs that uh leave a lot to the imagination this love has a lot of uh hidden gems in the verses that i didn't notice until i read the booklet i think the uh whatever it is about the flow of the where the cadences are and stuff, you don't always notice exactly what she's saying on this one right away. But uh, I especially like the line, when you're young, you just run, but you come back to what you need. 
And uh, I like the part in the at the end of the chorus, these hands had to let it go free and this love came back to me. And then I Know Places uh, explores an idea that she would get into more fully on reputation in the line, something happens when everybody finds out, see the vultures circling dark clouds, love's a fragile little flame, it could burn out. And then lastly, Clean, which uh, describes her finally getting over a relationship, has a great line in it. There was nothing left to do when the butterflies turned to dust that covered my whole room, which I think is a brilliant characterization of what was once infatuation turning to apathy. In summation, 1989 is essentially a flawless mainstream pop album, so why is it not number one, you might be asking yourself. Uh, that's just not my main cup of tea and not what I'm usually looking for, uh, but I can't argue with anyone who puts it as high as number one even, I suppose. Uh, it's definitely a fantastic album start to finish that I really enjoy and is very uh, focused with a great flow and is nice and concise, as I uh, mentioned earlier, and is definitely important to her career arc as it uh, firmly established her as a mainstream pop star and the biggest one in the world at that. And as far as bonus tracks, I would swap out Out of the Woods and Bad Blood for Wonderland and New Romantics, but that's just me. At number four, I have Folklore, our latest present from Taylor, which came out just a few weeks ago. My only trepidation with uh, putting out this ranking so soon after its release was I didn't want recency bias to be affecting my opinion of it positively or negatively, but I, th I think I'm happy with where I have it in here. The prologue for Folklore goes as follows. It started with imagery, visuals that popped into my mind and piqued my curiosity, stars drawn around scars, a cardigan that still bears the scent of loss 20 years later, battleships sinking into the ocean, down, 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 the tree swing in the woods of my childhood, hushed tones of let's run away and never doing it, the sun-drenched month of August sipped away like a bottle of wine, a mirrored disco ball hovering above a dance floor, a whiskey bottle beckoning, hands held through plastic, a single thread that, for better or for worse, ties you to your fate. Pretty soon these images in my head grew faces or names and became characters. I found myself not only writing my own stories, but also writing about or from the perspective of people I've never met, people I've known, or those I wish I hadn't. An exiled man walking the bluffs of a land that isn't his own wondering how it all went so terribly, terribly wrong. An embittered tormentor showing up at the funeral of his fallen object of obsession. A 17-year-old standing on a porch, learning to apologize. Love-struck kids wandering up and down the evergreen high line. My grandfather, Dean, landing at Guadal Guadalcanal sorry, in 1942. A misfit widow getting gleeful revenge on the town that cast her out. A tale that becomes folklore is one that is passed down and whispered around, sometimes even sung about. 
the lines between fantasy and reality blur, and the boundaries between truth and fiction become almost indiscernible. Speculation, over time, becomes fact. Myths, ghost stories and fables, fairy tales and parables, gossip and legend, someone's secrets written in the sky for all to behold. In isolation, my imagination has run wild, and this album is the result, a collection of songs and stories that flowed like a stream of consciousness. Picking up a pen was my way of escaping into fantasy, history, and memory. I've told these stories to the best of my ability, with all the love, wonder, and whimsy they deserve. Now it's up to you to pass them down. And I have to say, I think that's one of my favorite of her album themes, concepts, however you want to put it. Uh, I, I really like her going back to the whole fantasy thing uh, for the first time since Speak Now, really, and maybe even uh, more so than she ever has with this being the least autobiographical uh, of her albums to date. And I like that aspect of it as well, how she really stretched herself uh, as a songwriter to step out of her own perspective more than she has before, I think. Uh, Folklore finished 5-2 and two in the matchups, which is in a three-way tie for second with the two that are ahead of it. It had a plus 12 point differential, which is in a three-way tie for third with the one ahead of it and Lover, and had a 3.69 points per song, which was fifth, and a 32 song score, which was third. Uh, The track listing for Folklore is The One, Cardigan, The Last Great American Dynasty, Exile, My Tears Ricochet, Mirror Ball, Seven, August, This Is Me Trying, Illicit Affairs, Invisible String, Mad Woman, Epiphany, Betty, Peace, and Hoax. I would probably rank the one as her fourth best opener, uh, just behind Fearless State of Grace in mine. Uh, I do think Hoax is one of her weaker closers though, uh, but the competition is fierce uh, in that category much more so than it is for openers uh, within her discography. Uh, It's not like Hoax is a bad song, it's just she has other uh, openers that are really stellar. I think Folklore might have uh, the nicest, most pleasing sonic palette of all of her albums. It's uh, very soothing on the ears. And uh, it's one of the most sonically and thematically consistent of all of her albums with uh, an excellent flow. Uh, Now that consistency can be a double-edged sword, especially for uh, an album that's 16 songs and 63 minutes long, but I think it's mostly a positive uh, in large part because it flows so nicely and just sounds soothing and nice. I think I'll be a little more brief about this one since I just did a in-depth review of it last week, but as far as which category I put each song in, The One and Cardigan were both in the uh, love category, Last Great American Dynasty was in the really like, Exile was in the attempted to skip, uh, My Tears Ricochet was in the 
like, I think. Uh, same for mirror ball. Seven was in the really like or maybe love. August was in the like or really like. This is me trying was in the really like. Illicit affairs was a like. Invisible string was in the goat category. Mad woman was a, a like. I think epiphany was a like. Betty was in the goat category. Peace was uh, like or really like, and same for hoax. Uh, stylistically, as the title would suggest, this one is folk, kind of indie folk, uh, would be a more accurate uh, description. And uh, I think it really captures a very particular sort of melancholy, rainy day, not too sure what to feel mood that's pretty new to her catalog, and I think she does it well. And as I said in the Folklore Review episode, it suits her natural limitations as a vocalist and lets her lyrical talent uh, shine maybe a bit better than the genres she was exploring on the last three albums, 1989, Reputation, and Lover uh, did. Speaking of lyrics, uh, this album has a lot of lyrical highlights. I think it's uh, one of her better ones on that front. There are a lot of more effortless or almost uh, flippantly delivered little gems, like in the one, for instance, I thought I saw you at the bus stop. I didn't, though, as I read in one of the, I think it was in that song ranking that I was reading, this, like, that's a tiny line that gets a lot of mileage like in pretty few words that conveys a lot about uh, the backstory it's also funny to picture an artist of taylor's stature at this stage in her career waiting at a bus stop anywhere so uh, perhaps this is one of the not autobiographical ones i especially like verse two of the one uh, i have this dream you're doing cool explicative having adventures on your own you meet some woman on the internet and take her home we never painted by the numbers baby but we were making it count you know the greatest loves of all time are over now i like that we never painted by the numbers uh suggesting that they you know did things their own way and uh, just because it's over now doesn't mean that it wasn't great in fact could uh, even be more reason to believe that it was great, which is an interesting thought. And the bridge also expresses a very relatable feeling. I persist and resist the temptation to ask you if one thing had been different, would everything be different today? Cardigan has some neat lines too. I like in uh, the first chorus, I knew you hand under my sweatshirt, baby kiss it better. And of course, the main line of the song, and when I felt like I was an old cardigan under someone's bed, you put me on and said I was your favorite. I think that's a really neat analogy. One of her uh, best in recent memory. I think verse three is probably my favorite though. But I knew you'd linger like a tattoo kiss. I knew you'd haunt all of my what ifs. The smell of smoke would hang around this long because I knew everything when I was young. I knew I'd curse you for the longest time, chasing shadows in the grocery line. I knew you'd miss me once the thrill expired, 
and you'd be standing in my front porch light, and I knew you'd come back to me. You'd come back to me. Uh, this cardigan, by the way, is the first of a uh, a trilogy about a high school love triangle on folklore with one uh, song from each of their perspectives, the guy, the initial girl who he goes back to, and the uh, girl that he has an affair with in August, which is the one from her perspective, and then Betty is uh, from the guy's perspective, and Cardigan is about Betty's perspective, or from Betty's perspective, rather, uh, the, the first girl who he comes back to. Uh, that was probably a very roundabout and confusing way of explaining it. Sorry about that. The Last Great American Dynasty has some great lines as well. Best of all, I think, is 50 years is a long time. Holiday house sat quietly on that beach, free of women with madness, their men in bad habits, and then it was bought by me. So Taylor, uh, drawing a parallel between herself and Rebecca Harkness, who the song is mainly about, uh, who was an heiress from the... Uh, mid 20th century and the previous owner of her house in Rhode Island. Seven is uh, full of great lines as well. I especially like the chorus, sweet tea in the summer, cross your heart, won't tell no other. And though I can't recall your face, I still got love for you. Your braids like a pattern, love you to the moon and to Saturn, passed down like folk songs. The love lasts so long. It's a, uh, feels a bit different than a lot of her previous lyrics and it has some uh, neat cadences that also feel uh, new to her catalog. And as I mentioned in the Folklore Review episode, I also really like the bridge in Seven. Please picture me in the weeds before I learned civility. I used to scream ferociously anytime I wanted, which uh, I think really captures the nostalgia for the lost innocence of youth and not only for our childhood but the version of ourselves that we were in childhood before you get uh, tainted by life's happenings. This Is Me Trying is full of uh, lyrical gems as well. It starts off, I've been having a hard time adjusting. I had the shiniest wheels, now they're rusting. And then verse two is... Uh, Dynamite, they told me all of my cages were mental, so I got wasted like all my potential, and my words shoot to kill when I'm mad. I have a lot of regrets about that. I was so ahead of the curve, the curve became a sphere, fell behind all my classmates, and I ended up here, pouring out my heart to a stranger, but I didn't pour the whiskey, which is a great uh, insight into the mind of uh, a recovering alcoholic, which uh, the song is about. Uh, this is me trying also as an excellent bridge, and it's hard to be at a party when I feel like an open wound. It's hard to be anywhere these days when all I want is you. You're a flashback in a film reel on the one screen in my town. Invisible String has some great lines. I really like how uh, she changes the start of the chorus each time through. The first time it's time, curious time, gave me no compasses, gave me no signs, or there clues I didn't see. And then the, and isn't it just so pretty to think all along there was some invisible string tying you to me. But then the second time 
it goes time, mystical time, cutting me open, then healing me fine, and then into the rest of it. And then uh, the last time is time, wondrous time, gave me the blues and then purple-pink skies, and it's cool, baby, with me. And the bridge on this one is really great, too. A string that pulled me out of all the wrong arms right into that dive bar. Something wrapped all of my past mistakes in barbed wire. Chains around my demons, wool to brave the seasons. One single thread of gold tied me to you. And then Betty, which is probably my favorite song on the album, uh, has some great lines too and is written in kind of a Bob Dylan style, not just because uh, of the harmonica on it, but the as far as having a fairly long uh, pre-chorus and chorus uh, and just, yeah, other parts of it as well are similar to the way that he wrote a lot of stuff. Uh, it reminds me of Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands, which is my favorite song by him. Uh, but none of them really would have the right effect if I single them out, and I'm not going to read the whole song to you. I'll save that for one or two others a little bit down the line here. Uh, but listen to it, you'll like it. Peace also has some great lines, the best one being the first, I think. Our coming of age has come and gone. Suddenly this summer, it's clear. That's another one of those uh, brilliant with so few words uh, lines, just like the one that I singled out in the one. And Hoax has some good lines too. Uh, I think I'll single out one that I didn't on the Folklore Review episode, and that's uh, verse two. My best laid plan, your sleight of hand, my barren land, I am ash from your fire. So very evocative and, again, effective in an economy of words. So overall with Folklore, I would say that its peaks maybe aren't quite as high as some those of some of her previous albums, but it also has uh, fewer valleys than a lot of them and uh, is one of the more enjoyable uh, front-to-back uh, listens. And part of that is the consistency and also that it doesn't really have any that are abrasive or jarring. It's just a nice one to, to put on and chill out to. And then, as I said on the uh, Folklore Review episode, it feels like for the first time since Speak Now, she made exactly the album she wanted to make without her vision being uh, filtered through a desire to fit into the mainstream more like with Red in 1989 or to make a particular point like the personal point she was making on Reputation or the political points she was making on Lover which isn't to say that any of those motivations were wrong or failed to lead uh, or yield rather uh, artistically fruitful results because they did I also think Folklore is a uh, similar to speak now in its mystical quality and sort of sprinkling of fairy dust across it. Although this time it's more remembering the past through that lens, uh, or dreaming up, uh, new characters as opposed to speak now, which was, uh, both imbuing the autobiographical present with that mystical fairy tale sense of destiny and projecting that into the autobiographical future. Also, my physical copy of Folklore is still on its way, so I haven't heard the lakes yet. I can't uh, 
confirm whether or not the pattern of me always liking at least one of the bonus tracks better than at least one of the songs that made the cut for the album uh, holds true in this case or not. At number three, I have Reputation, which came out in 2017. And the prologue for it goes like this. We think we know someone, but the truth is that we only know the version of them they have chosen to show us. We know our friend in a certain light, but we don't know them the way their lover does, just the way their lover will never know them the same way that you do as their friend. Their mother knows them differently than their roommate, who knows them differently than their colleague. Their secret admirer looks at them and sees an elaborate sunset of brilliant color and dimension and spirit and pricelessness, and yet a stranger will pass that same person and see a faceless member of the crowd, nothing more. We may hear rumors about a person and believe those things to be true. We may one day meet that person and feel foolish for believing baseless gossip. This is the first generation that will be able to look back on their entire life story documented in pictures on the internet, and together we will all discover the after effects of that. Ultimately, we post photos online to curate what strangers think of us, but then we wake up look in the mirror at our faces and see the cracks and scars and blemishes and cringe. We hope someday we'll meet someone who will see that same morning face and instead see their future, their partner, their forever. Someone who will choose, still choose us even when they see all the sides of the story, all the angles of the kaleidoscope that is you. The point being, despite our need to simplify and generalize absolutely everyone and everything in this life, Humans are intrinsically impossible to simplify. We are never just good or just bad. We are mosaics of our worst selves and our best selves, our deepest secrets and our favorite stories to tell at a dinner party, existing somewhere between our well-lit profile photo and our driver's license shot. We are all a mixture of selfishness and generosity, loyalty and self-preservation, pragmatism and impulsiveness. I've been in the public eye since I was 15 years old. On the beautiful, lovely side of that, I've been so lucky to make music for a living and to look out into crowds of loving, vibrant people. On the other side of the coin, my mistakes have been used against me, my heartbreaks have been used as entertainment, and my songwriting has been trivialized as oversharing. When this album comes out, gossip blogs will scour the lyrics for the men they can attribute to each song as if the inspiration for music is as simple and basic as a paternity test. There will be slideshows of photos backing up each incorrect theory, because it's 2017 and if you didn't see a picture of it, it couldn't have happened, right? Let me say it again, louder for those in the back. We think we know someone, but the truth is that we only know the version of them they have chosen to show us. There will be no further explanation. There will just be reputation. I think that's one of her best and most insightful four words, and reading it really helps you to understand where she was coming from writing this album and helps you to appreciate it in a new light. Oh, I'll give you the numbers real quick. It's finished five and two in the matchups, which is part of that three-way tie for second. It had a plus 12 point differential, which was in that tie for third. It had the third best points per song at 3.83 and the fourth best song score with a 30. 
I've always thought of reputation as being to tailor what presence is to Led Zeppelin. In both cases, a difficult time period for them produced a difficult album to digest. Neither are what you would call easy listening, uh, like I said, folklore was, or uh, ones that you would throw on uh, at a pool party or a dinner party. And they can be a bit hard to relate to if you've never been in that position where you're backed into a corner by society or the people around you or your circumstances or whatever the uh, situation is. But uh, both also led to their tours with the biggest sense of spectacle. So there's that similarity too. I obviously was too young to have seen Zeppelin 77 tour, which was the one sort of related to presence. Uh, but if you go back and listen to that episode, you'll see what I mean. And then uh, I did see Reputation both nights at the Rogers Center here in Toronto and absolutely loved it. I mean, I loved the 1989 show as well, but I think uh, Reputation was definitely a cut above from a spectacle perspective. That was a fantastic tour from a production value standpoint and also uh, the performances. And I really loved how she did uh, hardly the same song twice in the little acoustic section where she plays uh, one from her back catalog. We got out of the woods the first night, which I was a little bit uh, disappointed by. But then the second night we got Come Back, Be Here, which is a bonus track off of Bread, and I actually hadn't heard it before she played it at the show, so that was an awesome way to experience it for the first time. Anyway, back on track. I think it's best to think of Reputation like a concept album wherein Taylor's battling or at least showing her alter ego or integrating the shadow, as Carl Jung would put it. You can also look at it as almost an album of two halves, with one being the way the media and outsiders view her and the other being how she really is. It sort of starts off like the album she would make if she were the villainess that the media was portraying her to be at that time, uh, with the whole feud with uh, Kim and Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, um, and then flips the script uh, around gorgeous and says, no, this is the real me, uh, except delicate in the first half would be one of the real me ones. Uh, that's how I take the line in Ready For It that says, baby, let the games begin. Uh, the games as in the uh, the fight between the true her and her alter ego. It's also really a love album hidden behind all of that uh, pretense, uh, as evidenced by the chorus in Ready For It, which I would say is half and half between the true her and the alter ego. When it uh, flips to a major key and says, in the middle of the night, in my dreams, you should see the things we do, baby. And then that's contrasted with the very aggressive uh, verses that are in a minor key and would be more the, the alter ego side. Reputation is also a bit of an outlier, stylistically speaking, from the rest of her catalog. It finds her diving headfirst into some new genres, which is commendable since she easily could have stuck to the 1989 mold and sold uh, millions of copies. After having a three-year gap between it and Reputation, 
uh, as far as the new genres she gets into on Reputation, uh, rap, hip hop, EDM, trap, tropical house, which I had uh, gotten into kind of recently when it came out. A friend of mine at uh, McMaster had kind of introduced me to it, and I actually got a lot of good rec- music recommendations from her. She's the one who introduced me to uh, Benjamin Francis Leftwich, who I would probably say is my second favorite uh, current artist behind Taylor. Um, yeah, it's not too often I uh, find someone who is able to turn me on to stuff outside my usual scope, but I'm always very grateful when they do because it helps me uh, break my reputation as someone, speaking of reputation, <laughs> as someone who pretty well only listens to Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, and Grateful Dead. Uh, so thank you, Selena, for that. And also, oddly enough, the synthesizer swells in Don't Blame Me kind of remind me of both Wish You Were Here and Sheep by Pink Floyd, which uh, is not an artist that uh, Taylor gets compared to very often, I don't think. As far as the track listing, Ready For It, Endgame featuring Ed Sheeran and Future, I Did Something Bad, Don't Blame Me, Delicate, Look What You Made Me Do, So It Goes, Gorgeous, Getaway Car, King of My Heart, Dancing With Our Hands Tied, Dress, This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things, Call It What You Want, and New Year's Day. I'm going to try to consolidate the uh, which basket I put each song in and the lyrical highlights to get this moving along a little quicker. So ready for it, I put in the like category, I believe. Uh, I think it's in that three-way tie for fifth best opener that I mentioned earlier kind of oscillates between it welcome to New York and I forgot that you existed depending on the day I do think it functions very well as a tone setter and introduction of the the theme and concept and everything of the album as far as lyrical highlights I like the line and he can be my jailer Burton to this Taylor uh, which is a reference to Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton that uh, probably slides past a lot of people, myself included, uh, until I was doing a bit more research about it. Endgame I have in my like pile. Uh, It's pretty good. I like Future and Ed Sheeran's parts, and uh, there's a a fair number of decent lines in it. I like the one, you've been calling my bluff on all my usual tricks, so here's the truth from my red lips. And then I did something bad I have in the like category and don't blame me in the really like category. And then delicate I have in the uh, goat category. And it has a lot of lyrical highlights. It opens with the pre-chorus, this ain't for the best, my reputation's never been worse, so you must like me for me. We can't make any promises, now can we, babe? But you can make me a drink. And then verse one, dive bar on the east side, where you at? Phone lights up my nightstand in the black. Come here, you can meet me in the back. Dark jeans and your Nikes, look at you. Oh damn, never seen that color blue. Just think of the fun things we could do. 
because I like you, and then it has the pre-chorus again. And then the chorus, I think, uh, speaks perfectly to the the nature of the dating game these days. Is it cool that I said all that? Is it chill that you're in my head? Because I know that it's delicate. Is it cool that I said all that? Is it too soon to do this yet? Because I know that it's delicate, isn't it? Isn't it? Now more than ever, it seems to be important to play hard to get and feign disinterest as long as possible. And it's all about chess games and who has the leverage and everything. And I think it's a pile of crap, but I understand psychologically why it works. So, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? And the second verse uh, also is really good. Third floor on the west side, me and you, handsome, you're a mansion with a view. Do the girls back home touch you like I do? Which is one of my favorite lines of hers. Long night with your hands up in my hair, echoes of your footsteps on the stairs. Stay here, honey, I don't want to share. And this is one of the ones where she uh, incorporates tropical house stuff so those wonderful lyrics have a a nice bouncy uh, backdrop to them and then we arrive at the most problematic song on the album look what you made me do which was unfortunately chosen as the lead single uh, and i think contributes to people's kind of negative perception of the album some even consider it the nadir of her career even below the debut which kind of boggles my mind but i don't think it was a great choice for lead single uh depending on the day this one oscillates for me all the way from mildly like to tempted to skip i think i ended up putting it in the mildly dislike the thing is it does have some really clever lines in the verses but the chorus is too long and uh, frankly too dumb and drags the verses down Uh, there's no need for look what you made me do to be repeated eight times in a row in my opinion to me it's uh, a bit more grating than bad blood but also more believable and appropriately kind of dark or angry for a revenge song. One line that I do really like from it is, I don't like your kingdom keys, they once belonged to me, which I think really speaks to how fickle uh, public opinion can be. As a matter of fact, she went from basically being on top of the world coming off of 1989 and throughout 2015 with the tour in support of it, and then... uh, I guess towards the end of 2015 or maybe it was early 2016, the, uh, the whole incident with the recording, the phone call between she and uh, Kanye happened. And it was amazing how quickly everybody turned on her and just, uh, believed Kim and Kanye lock, stock and barrel. And suddenly it was, Oh, Taylor's been a wolf in sheep's clothing all along and all that other, uh, bogus or uh, a load of bollocks, as her man Joe might say. 
And that's why there's an extra year gap between Reputation and 1989, or at least that's part of the reason why before that she had been on the cycle of putting one out every two years, and then the year in between would be a tour in support of the one that had just come out. But then she took a year off after the 1989 tour and basically disappeared for all of 2016. And I want to say it was closer to a year and a half. Uh, I think she did something on the awards circuit in the winter of 2016 and then basically wasn't seen or heard from again until the summer of 2017 when the singles started to come out for Reputation, which eventually came out November 11th. And then So It Goes, I either put in the Really Like or Love category. can't remember, but it's uh, one of my personal favorites from the album. And she played it in the acoustic set the second night in Toronto, so that was a nice treat. It has some of her more blatantly sexual uh, lyrics, such as, you know, I'm not a bad girl, but I do bad things with you. And uh, later on when it says, come here dressed in black now, so it goes, scratches down your back now, so it goes. And then Gorgeous is another one that I have in the uh, the really like category. I think that's where I had so it goes too. It has some good lines in it. I like the, you've ruined my life by not being mine line. Uh, which is followed by the bell sound like an order being ready at a diner uh, leading into the chorus, which uh, I think is a really nice attention to detail uh, sort of touch. I like the line that goes, you make me so happy it turns back to sad. There's nothing I hate more than what I can't have. Isn't that too true of the human condition? And uh, one another one that shows her humor Guess I'll just stumble on home to my cats, alone, unless you want to come along. Getaway car is one that I have in the like, bordering on really like category, I think. Uh, to me, it's a much better version of Out of the Woods. Uh, as far as lines that I like from it, the ties were black, the lies were white, in shades of gray and candlelight. Uh, another one, but with three of us, honey, it's a sideshow and a circus ain't a love story. And now we're both sorry, which is a uh, self-referential, of course, with the love story reference. Uh, and then the way that the backing vocals echo, we're both sorry, uh, could double as being part of my little alter ego theory as in she and the alter ego are both sorry for this one, uh, but could be totally off base with that. Uh, King of My Heart I have in the same sort of like, a bit closer to uh, really like uh, lines that I like from this one. We met a few weeks ago. Now you try on calling me baby like try on clothes. And is this the end of all the endings? My broken bones are mending. It's a cute little one about how she is uh, falling for Joe at a time when she least expected to fall for someone. Then dancing with her hands tied, I have in the the mild-like category. It has some good lines though. I could have spent forever with your hands in my pockets, picture of your face in an invisible locket, 
It's a clever throwback to Sad, Beautiful, Tragic from Red, which I'll uh, explain that line a little later. Uh, And uh, also, people started talking, putting us through our paces. I knew there was no one in the world who could take it. Up until that point, none of her relationships had survived the media scrutiny. And uh, she shows on peace, on folklore, that she still worries about that with Joe, even though he's survived it for over three years now. Next is dress, which I have in the really love category and would be one of the the ones in that category uh, sort of next in line for being promoted to the uh, the very top category, the plus fives. Uh, has some great lines. All of this silence and patience, pining in anticipation, my hands are shaking from holding back from you. And uh, a bit later, say my name and everything just stops. I don't want you like a best friend. Only bought this dress so you could take it off. Take it off. Carve your name into my bedpost because I don't want you like a best friend. Only bought this dress so you could take it off. Take it off. When I heard this one, the first time it uh, caught me off guard a little. Was, well, you weren't kidding. The old tailor's dead, but uh, I like it. And the third verse has some really nice lines about uh, what Joe means to her. Even in my worst times, you could see the best of me. And even in my worst lies, you saw the truth in me. And then I woke up just in time. Now I wake up by your side. So uh, all those are very nice and uh, good examples of qualities to look for in a lover. This is why we can't have nice things I put in the like category. I wasn't a huge fan of this one when I first uh, listened to the album, but I loved it as the show closer uh, on the Reputation Tour. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's quite in whole lot of love stairway to heaven territory in that regard uh, by any stretch but it was a very uh thrilling and fitting uh send-off for sure and one line in particular that i like from it is and therein lies the issue friends don't try to trick you get you on the phone and mind twist you so i took an axe to a mended fence call it what you want i have in the love category and it has some of the best lyrics on the album, I think. Uh, I'll just start reading from the top and uh, see how far we go. My castle crumbled overnight. I brought a knife to a gunfight. They took the crown, but it's all right. All the liars are calling me one. Nobody's heard from me for months. I'm doing better than I ever was. Cuz, and then into the chorus. My baby's fit like a daydream, walking with his head down. I'm the one he's walking to. So call it what you want, call it what you want to. My babies fly like a jet stream, high above the whole scene, loves me like I'm brand new. So call it what you want, yeah, call it what you want to. All my flowers grew back as thorns, windows boarded up after the storm. He built a fire just to keep me warm. All the drama queens taking swings, all the jokers dressing up as kings, they fade to nothing when I look at him. And I know I make the same mistakes every time. Bridges burn, I never learn. At least I did one thing right. I did one thing right. I'm laughing with my lover, making forts under covers. Trust him like a brother. Yeah, I know I did one thing right. 
starry eyes sparking up my darkest night, and then the chorus again, and then I want to wear his initial on a chain round my neck, chain round my neck, not because he owns me, but because he really knows me, which is more than they can say. I recall late November, holding my breath slowly, I said, you don't need to save me, but could you run away with me? Yes, and then the chorus. That's uh, one of my favorites of hers now, and I really like the relaxed uh, backdrop to it as well. And then lastly, we have New Year's Day, which is one of her best closers, in my opinion. It uh, perfectly wraps up the album thematically and is just a great song in its own right. It describes the scene the morning after a party, presumably a New Year's Eve party. I think the chorus is the highlight for me, but don't read the last page, but I stay when you're lost and I'm scared and you're turning away. I want your midnights, but I'll be cleaning up bottles with you on New Year's Day. You know you've found the one when doing something as mundane as cleaning up from the party with them is just as enjoyable, if not more so, than the party itself. And then I also like the line, please don't ever become a stranger whose laugh I could recognize anywhere. So overall, there's no doubt that Reputation is markedly different from the rest of her catalog in many ways, but I love it for that. Uh, she'd been attacked and scrutinized relentlessly for years, and she definitively clapped back. A lot of people feel that the villainous crown sat kind of uneasily on her head, and perhaps it wasn't her favorite persona either, but I liked the uh, prickly, edgy tailor. Maybe not forever, but I'm really glad that the Reputation era happened. And it's stylistic and thematic uniqueness compared to the rest of her catalog combined with uh, perhaps the most complex concept was enough to pull it ahead of a few behind it and into the third spot. At number two, I have Red, which came out in 2012, and the foreword for it is as follows. There's an old poem by Neruda that I've always been captivated by, and one of the lines in it has stuck with me ever since the first time I read it. It says, Love is so short, forgetting is so long. It's a line I've related to in my saddest moments, when I needed to know someone else had felt that exact same way. And when we're trying to move on, the moments we always go back to aren't the mundane ones. They are the moments you saw sparks that weren't really there, felt stars aligning without having any proof, saw your future before it happened, and then saw it slip away without any warning. These are moments of newfound hope, extreme joy, intense passion, wishful thinking, and in some cases, the unthinkable letdown. And in my mind, every one of these memories looks the same to me. I see all of these moments in bright, burning red. My experiences in love have taught me difficult lessons, especially my experiences with crazy love. The red relationships, the ones that went from zero to a hundred miles per hour and then hit a wall and exploded. And it was awful and ridiculous and desperate and thrilling. And when the dust settled, it was something I'd never take back. Because there's something to be said for being young and needing someone so badly, you jump in headfirst without looking. And there's something to be learned from waiting all day for a train that's never coming. 
and there's something to be proud of about moving on and realizing that real love shines golden like starlight and doesn't fade or spontaneously combust. Maybe I'll write a whole album about that kind of love if I ever find it, but this album is about the other kinds of love that I've recently fallen in and out of. Love that was treacherous, sad, beautiful, and tragic, but most of all, this record is about love that was red. Of course, she held true to her promise of writing a whole album about the type of love that's golden, like starlight, or as like daylight as she came to recognize it, uh, that being lover, once she found that type of love. But uh, back to Red, I think that's a very uh, good and accurate prologue. It's definitely about the wild emotional highs and swells and passions of uh, love. It came out as the clear-cut number two on all of the uh, metrics. There was quite a bit of separation between it and the ones behind it. It uh, did finish in that three-way tie for second at five and two in the matchups. Uh, it lost to Reputation, which lost to Folklore, which lost to Red. Uh, so that goes to show what I was saying about how just the the luck of the sequencing can affect the results on that front. Uh, it had a plus 23 point differential though, which was quite clearly second, uh, 3.94 points per song, which was a significant lead over third as well, and a 36 song score on the, uh, the categorizing one. It would definitely be between Red and Lover for the most stylistic variety on any of her albums. Uh, you have sort of alt-rock with State of Grace and more arena rock with Treacherous, uh, both of which sound like they could have been something off of U2's The Joshua Tree album. Uh, then you've still got country, pop, started to bring EDM into the mix, dubstep, uh, still some folk. Uh, so a really interesting and eclectic uh, kind of hodgepodge of genres that works pretty well, uh, perhaps surprisingly, perhaps not. Uh, Taylor's lyrical prowess on this album is really off the charts and actually reminds me of a recent description I saw of Jimmy Page's guitar playing in 1973, which uh, most people would uh, consider to be his best year. It says, he was able to access a level of ingenuity and power over the fretboard that let him play with full confidence, where even his mistakes seemed like a race car driver almost losing it on a tight turn. He was able to play with a flow that was awe-inspiring for listeners and musicians alike. He was able to convey an attitude into the strings that almost seemed like he had to hold back to keep it from outshining the other members or committing overkill. At any time he chose, he could let his fingers fly on a lightning-fast, articulate run, whereas later on this sort of thing only happened on his better nights. If you substitute she for he and pen for fretboard, you can basically apply that quote to Taylor's songwriting on the Red album. Just about every song contains a stunning amount of detail and ingenuity at every turn, and it's not to say that other albums and ones after it don't have that as well, but not to this extent where essentially every moment of every song has that Midas touch. The track listing for Red is State of Grace, Red, Treacherous, I Knew You Were Trouble, All Too Well, 22, 
I almost do. We are never ever getting back together. Stay, stay, stay. The last time featuring Gary Lightbody of Snow Patrol. Holy ground, sad, beautiful, tragic. The lucky one. Everything has changed featuring Ed Sheeran. Starlight and Begin Again. Those first nine songs from State of Grace through Stay, Stay, Stay form a pretty well untouchable stretch, but then things get a little bit more uneven, so a similar pattern to Fearless, but much better. I think State of Grace is her second best opener by a significant margin, uh, only eclipsed by the one that you're going to hear about in a second. And I had it in the love category, verging on the goat plus five category. I'll just read you the first verse as far as lyrical highlights, because there's a lot I'm going to single out on this album. Uh, I'm walking fast through the traffic lights, busy streets and busy lives, and all we know is touch and go. We are alone with our changing minds. We fall in love till it hurts or bleeds or fades in time. The last two lines of that especially are a great representation of that uh, when you first enter adulthood stage, coming out of high school into university or whatever you do uh, post-secondary wise, which as I mentioned is the stage I was at when this album came out and the stage I suspect a lot of her fan base was at or soon approaching. And actually there's a line in verse two I'll single out as well. So you were never a saint, and I've loved in shades of wrong. We learned to live with the pain, mosaic broken hearts. Just genius. In that song ranking that I was reading on the entry for State of Grace, the person who wrote it said, it's too bad that this kind of soft alt-rock sound that she had on State of Grace was was never explored past this song. Uh, perhaps because she nailed it on the first try. I can't disagree there. And then Red, the title track, both verses are really brilliant, so I'm going to read them to you quickly. Loving him is like driving a new Maserati down a dead-end street, faster than the wind, passionate as sin, ending so suddenly. Loving him is like trying to change your mind once you're already flying through the free fall like the colors in autumn so bright just before they lose it all. And then losing him was blue like I'd never known. This is the chorus now. Missing him was dark gray all alone. Forgetting him was like trying to know somebody you never met, but loving him was red. Loving him was red. And then verse two, touching him was like realizing all you ever wanted was right there in front of you. Memorizing him was as easy as knowing all the words to your old favorite song. Fighting with him was like trying to solve a crossword and realizing there's no right answer. Regretting him was like wishing you never found out that love could be that strong. And then the chorus again. Like, it's easy to take for granted because of the frequency with which she was pumping out lines of that quality, especially on this album. But that is a ridiculously jam-packed, full of incredibly clever lines a pair of verses there and then track three treacherous i put in the goat category the plus five uh this one is really really good and has a bridge uh 
I would say on par even with the bridge and you belong with me. So I'll read uh, through the first time through the bridge. Put your lips close to mine as long as they don't touch. Out of focus, eye to eye, till the gravity is too much. And I'll do anything you say if you say it with your hands. And I'd be smart to walk away, but your quicksand. And then the chorus. This slope is treacherous. This path is reckless. This slope is treacherous. And I, I, I like it. And then verse two, I can't decide if it's a choice, getting swept away. I hear the sound of my own voice asking you to stay. And all we are is skin and bone, trained to get along, forever going with the flow, but your friction. And then the chorus repeats. And then the first time through the bridge, which is two headlights shine through the sleepless night and I will get you, get you alone. Your name has echoed through my mind, and I just think you should think you should know that nothing safe is worth the drive, and I would follow you, follow you home. I'll follow you, follow you home. So yet another instance of brilliant songwriting already on this album, and as I say, that bridge with the modulation going into it is equally uh, hair standing up on the back of your neck, inducing as the one in You Belong With Me is. And then I Knew You Were Trouble, I put in the like category. It's not a genre I would typically go to, which speaks to the quality because I still uh, really enjoy it when I listen to it. And it's the one that uh, experiments with EDM the most. Following I Knew You Were Trouble, we get the highlight of the album and what many people uh, cite as the highlight of her career, and that is All Too Well, which I of course had in the uh, GOAT category. I did explain that GOAT is an acronym for greatest of all time, right? Just didn't want any confusion there. Any of you who are sports fans will be familiar with it. Um and I called it the GOAT category because in sports discussions, uh, there's always a group of players that are considered to be in the quote-unquote GOAT conversation. So that's what I meant by that. I probably should have called it something else to avoid any potential confusion, but too late now. This one is a Dylan-level example of divine inspiration. Uh, and kind of Dylan-esque too in the way that the band seems to get excited as they hear the lyrics unfold after certain lines and uh, is a perfect example of her uncanny and paradoxical ability to make something more universal by making it more detailed. And it feels wrong to single out any one line, so bear with me, I'll read you the whole thing more or less. And uh, it is rather long, but uh, this one deserves it. I walked through the door with you. The air was cold, but something about it felt like home somehow. And I left my scarf there at your sister's house, and you've still got it in your drawer even now. Oh, your sweet disposition and my wide-eyed gaze. We're singing in the car, getting lost upstate. Autumn leaves falling down like pieces into place, and I can picture it after all these days. 
and I know it's long gone, and that magic's not here no more, and I might be okay, but I'm not fine at all. Cause there we are again on that little town street. You almost ran the red cause you were looking over at me. Wind in my hair, I was there, I remember it all too well. Photo album on the counter, your cheeks were turning red. You used to be a little kid with glasses in a twin-sized bed. And your mother's telling stories about you on the t-ball team. You taught me about your past, thinking your future was me. And I know it's long gone, and there was nothing else I could do. And I forget about you long enough to forget why I needed to. Because there we are again in the middle of the night. We're dancing around the kitchen in the refrigerator light. Down the stairs, I was there. I remember it all too well. Well, maybe we got lost in translation. Maybe I asked for too much. But maybe this thing was a masterpiece till you tore it all up. Running scared, I was there. I remember it all too well. And you call me up again just to break me like a promise. So casually cruel in the name of being honest. I'm a crumpled up piece of paper lying here because I remember it all all, all too well. Now that's the one line in particular that usually gets singled out as the, uh, the, uh, the best of the song. Time won't fly. It's like I'm paralyzed by it. I'd like to be my old self again, but I'm still trying to find it. After plaid shirt days and nights when you made me your own, now you mail back my things and I walk home alone but you keep my old scarf from that very first week because it reminds you of innocence and it smells like me. You can't get rid of it because you remember it all too well because there we are again when I loved you so back before you lost the one real thing you have, you've ever known. It was rare. I was there. I remember it all too well. Wind in my hair. You were there. You remember it all. Down the stairs. You were there. You remember it all. It was rare, I was there, I remember it all too well. So as you can see, that one is rightly praised as one of, if not the very best of her career, and is uh, just a stunning set of lyrics. Next, the mood lightens a bit with 22, which is a really enjoyable, happy-go-lucky pop song and a fitting ode to the kind of confusing age of 22. I had this one in the love category, by the way. Uh, my friend Shane and I, as I think I mentioned last episode, uh, listened to this one a lot in grade 12 when the album came out, sort of thinking, like, whoa, 22 sounds sick, man. And then we got there and found out, yeah, it kind of is and kind of isn't too. And the uh, line I'll single out from this one is, yeah, we're happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time. It's miserable and magical, oh yeah, which uh, again perfectly captures what it's like to be the strange age of 22. Next up, track seven is I Almost Do, which is another one of my very favorites. I actually put this in the goat category. It could be a bit of a reach, but it's securely in the love category at least. Uh, as far as lines that are highlights in this one, I like... I bet it never ever occurred to you that I can't say hello to you and risk another goodbye. And I like how it flips from I bet sometimes you wonder about me at the beginning to 
I hope sometimes you wonder about me at the end. Usually Taylor gets more sure of things as the song goes along, but this time she goes the other way, which uh, is a neat twist. Track eight, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, which became her first number one, is a certifiably brilliant mainstream pop song, kind of like I Knew You Were Trouble, not a genre that is typically my go-to, but I genuinely uh, love this song. My favorite line is right at the beginning. I remember when we broke up the first time saying this is it, I've had enough, because like we hadn't seen each other in a month when you said you needed space. What? That little what at the end is a great uh, little bit of self-deprecating humor on her part, and I've always uh, liked the song a little extra for that. Uh, Track nine, Stay, 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 I put in the love category. It's just a fun little one that I've always had a soft spot for, for whatever reason. Uh, It starts off with Taylor and her boyfriend having a fight and thinking that her thinking that they almost broke up because she threw her phone across the room at him and he stays. And then my favorite part is the breakdown. You took the time to memorize me, my fears, my hopes and dreams. I just like hanging out with you all the time. All those times that you didn't leave, it's been occurring to me, I'd like to hang out with you for my whole life. Which is a, a kind of neat bit that fits for the age she was when she wrote this of uh, disguising a, a very serious and sweet sentiment in a kind of casual way. Like, I'd like to hang out with you, but for my whole life, obviously makes it a bit more uh, serious. And obviously, someone taking the time to memorize you, your fears and hopes and dreams is very sweet and a good sign. Track 10 is where I might diverge from the popular opinion on this album. Uh, That's the last time the duet with Gary Lightbody. This one I put in the skip category. Hardcore skip. I don't know what it is. I've never liked this song. I've tried and tried to get into it because it would improve my opinion of the album if I could, but I just can't, and I don't know what it is. Uh, I mean, as I said in the Folklore Review episode last week, I'm not usually a huge fan of duets to start with, but some of them I can get into this one. Just, I don't know. I read a review recently that uh, seems to take the same stance as me, which uh, is unusual. Most critics, I find, seem to have a soft spot towards duets, uh, and I usually see them praise this one a lot, but this review I found kind of agreed with me, said it uh, just seems to drag through the mud as far as the pace of it and uh, gets pretty repetitive towards the end and seems like it goes on for 20 minutes uh, and not in the really cool version of Dark Star or No Quarter kind of way. Having said that, I'm sorry I don't mean to crap all over the song. If you like it, I'm happy for you. It's probably a perfectly good song. Just some stuff you don't like and it doesn't make sense. Same with food tastes or taste in partners or whatever it is. Things pick up on track 11 though with Holy Ground, which I put in the like category. It has some uh, 
some cool lyrics in the verses. I don't love the uh, chorus and outro, so that holds it back a little bit, but uh, perfectly enjoyable. I especially like the first verse, which goes, I was reminiscing just the other day while having coffee all alone, and Lord, it took me away back to a first glance feeling on New York time, back when you fit my poems like a perfect rhyme, took off faster than a green light go. Yeah, you skip the conversation when you already know. I left a note on the door with a joke we'd made, and that was the first day. I love how she adds that, and that was the first day, which is more uh, self-satirization by suggesting that all of those magical moments happened in one day, and uh, sort of playing with the the notion that she maybe over-exaggerates uh, certain uh, seemingly insignificant happenings in relationships. It's also a great example of that Jimmy Page in 73 comparison of uh, stuffing that many details uh, into such a short space and doing it as a joke with a unusual and ambitious little concept like that. Sad, Beautiful, Tragic is next at track 12, and I have this one in the really like category. It uh, is alluded to in Dancing with Our Hands Tied on Reputation, as I mentioned a few minutes ago uh, in the first verse, which uh, I'll read to you. Long handwritten note deep in your pocket, words how little they mean when you're a little too late. I stood right by the tracks, your face in a locket, good girls, hopeful they'll be, and long will they wait. So that uh, pocket and locket bit she uh, referred back to uh, two albums later. The Lucky One, track 13, I put in the like category. It has a neat uh, snare drum part, and uh, the lyrics are all pretty good, describing a woman who becomes a celebrity and then starts to feel more caged in than anything, and as Taylor says, it was a few years later I showed up here, and they still tell the legend of how you disappeared, how you took the money and your dignity and got the hell out. And a little later in the song, Taylor says that she can understand why this woman, who a lot of people speculate to be Joni Mitchell, uh, would have done that, because now her name is up in lights, and she says, but I think you got it right. Track 14 is another duet that I'm not very fond of. This one is Everything Has Changed, featuring Ed Sheeran. And again, I've tried to get into this one and uh, don't dislike it as much as the last time, but still doesn't uh, do a lot for me. Track 15, the penultimate track, is Starlight, which I put in the like category. This one is supposedly about Ethel and Bobby Kennedy. I've always liked this part towards the end. Ooh, ooh, he's talking crazy. Ooh, ooh, dancing with me. Ooh, ooh, we could get married, have ten kids and teach them how to dream. I just think it's funny uh, to picture someone saying that to a, a woman that he's just met and it going well for him. And then Begin Again is one of my favorite closers of hers and describes a uh, first date going really well and 
She says, on a Wednesday in a cafe, I watched it begin again. And uh, in the interest of time, I won't read the whole thing, but uh, it's got great lines all over the place. I guess I can read you the first verse to give you the vibe. Took a deep breath in the mirror. He didn't like it when I wore high heels, but I do. Turned the lock and put my headphones on. He always said he didn't get this song, but I do. Oh, what the heck, I'll give you the second verse too. Walked in expecting you'd be late, but you got here early and you stand and wave. I walk to you. You pull my chair out and help me in, and you don't know how nice that is, but I do. You see, kids, chivalry shouldn't be dead. Taylor herself endorses it. So overall with Red, I think Taylor accurately described it as a mosaic of different aspects of love, both sonically and lyrically, and the variety mostly works. Uh, it's probably her at her most ambitious and perhaps her peak as a songwriter. She just dips her toes in a few waters that I'm not uh, quite as fond of, on the back half especially, as I just mentioned. And this does continue the theme of me preferring at least uh, one of the bonus tracks. In this case, I would swap out the two duets uh, the last time and everything has changed for Come Back, Be Here, and The Moment I Knew. But uh, I realize I may well be in the minority on that front. At number one, I have Speak Now, which came out in 2010. It finished 7-0 and in the matchups, which of course was first a plus 33 point differential, which was first 4.75 points per song, which was first by a country mile, and a 46 song score, which was also uh, first by a significant margin. And the foreword for it, which I am reading off my phone because loyal listener Jason Shaw still has my copy of Speak Now. Speak now or forever hold your peace, the words said by preachers at the end of wedding ceremonies all over the world, right before the vows. It's a last chance for protest, a moment that makes everyone's heart race, and a moment I've always been strangely fascinated by. So many fantasize about bursting into a church, saying what they'd kept inside for years like in the movies. In real life, it rarely happens. Real life is a funny thing, you know. In real life, saying the right thing at the right moment is beyond crucial. So crucial, in fact, that most of us start to hesitate for fear of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. But lately, what I've begun to fear more than that is letting the moment pass without saying anything. I think most of us fear reaching the end of our life and looking back regretting the moments we didn't speak up, when we didn't say I love you, when we should have said I'm sorry, when we didn't stand up for ourselves or someone who needed help. These songs are made up of words I didn't say when the moment was right in front of me. These songs are open letters. Each is written with a specific person in mind, telling them what I meant to tell them in person. To the beautiful boy whose heart I broke in December. To my first love who I never thought would be my first heartbreak. To my band. To a mean man I used to be afraid of to someone who made my world very dark for a while, to a girl who stole something of mine, to someone I forgive for what he said in front of the whole world. Words can break someone into a million pieces, but they can also put them back together. I hope you use yours for good, 
because the only words you'll regret more than the ones left unsaid are the ones you use to intentionally hurt someone. What you say might be too much for some people. Maybe it will come out all wrong and you'll stutter and you'll walk away embarrassed, wincing as you play it all back in your head. But I think the words you stop yourself from saying are the ones that will haunt you the longest. So say it to them, or say it to yourself in the mirror, say it in a letter you'll never send, or in a book millions might read someday. I think you deserve to look back on your life without a chorus of resounding voices saying, I could've, but it's too late now. There is a time for silence, there is a time for waiting your turn, but if you know what you feel, and you so clearly know what you need to say, you'll know it. I don't think you should wait, I think you should speak now. Love, Taylor. P.S. to all the boys who inspired this album, you should have known with a winky face. I really like that concept, and she does a good job of weaving it uh, throughout each song. Stylistically, this sees the genres start to expand a fair bit from Fearless. Uh, it's still country pop at its base, but mixed in with quite a bit of rock. I would say this is her most rock-sounding album, which could be part of why I'm predisposed to have it as my favorite. Uh, also bluegrass with mean and uh, pop punk with uh, the story of us a bit and the uh, better than revenge a lot. Perhaps because this is her most rock album, I think it has the best drums of all her albums. Uh, indeed, probably the best band performance after this electronic stuff would always be part of the equation, at least to some extent. And this album also receives major points for being the only one that she wrote completely by herself. Uh, no collaborators and no duets either, just backing vocals from Nathan Chapman, uh, which are sort of the secret weapon of the album. I think Speak Now is a truly remarkable uh, lyrical tour de force by a single songwriter, especially for one who was only 20, 21 years old when she wrote it. The track listing is Mine, Sparks Fly, Back to December, Speak Now, Dear John, Mean, The Story of Us, Never Grow Up, Enchanted, Better Than Revenge, Innocent, Haunted, Last Kiss, Long Live, which more or less reads like a greatest hits album almost, if she had one. I think Mine is her best opener. I put it in the GOAT category. It uh, talks about how he was in college uh, from a small town and was waiting tables, and she was a flight risk with a fear of falling, which is a great compact little line. And then probably the best line of the song is the punchline of the chorus. You made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter. You are the best thing that's ever been mine. The second half of that, you are the best thing that's ever been mine, is a line that makes so much sense, it's almost amazing that she's the first one who thought of it. I especially love the flipping of the script after the bridge, which describes their first fight. Uh, I'll start it back at the chorus before the bridge. So the chorus goes, do you remember we were sitting there by the water? You put your arm around me for the first time. You made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter. You are the best thing that's ever been mine. Do you remember all the city lights on the water? You saw me start to believe for the first time. 
You made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter. You are the best thing that's ever been mine. And then the bridge goes, and I remember that fight, 2.30 a.m., as everything was slipping right out of our hands. I ran out crying, and you followed me out into the street, braced myself for the goodbye, because that's all I've ever known. Then you took me by surprise. You said, I'll never leave you alone. And now into the alternate chorus that's the guy talking. You said, I remember how we felt sitting by the water, and every time I look at you, it's like the first time. I fell in love with a careless man's careful daughter. She is the best thing that's ever been mine. So I like that, how kind of similar to at the end of the You Belong With Me music video, when they hold up the signs that both say I love you that they had never shown each other in the window, it reveals that he remembers the moment just as well as she does, and it was just as special to him, and he feels the same way. So I always thought that was a a nice way to resolve the song. Track two, Sparks Fly, I also put in the goat category, and the whole thing is just really good lyrics, so I'm going to skip to it and read the whole thing to you. Bear with me. The way you move is like a full-on rainstorm, and I'm a house of cards. You're the kind of reckless that should send me running, but I kind of know that I won't get far. And you stood there in front of me, just close enough to touch, close enough to hope you couldn't see what I was thinking of. And now into the chorus, drop everything now. Meet me in the pouring rain. Kiss me on the sidewalk. Take away the pain. Cause I see sparks fly whenever you smile. Get me with those green eyes, baby, as the lights go down. Give me something that'll haunt me when you're not around. Cause I see sparks fly whenever you smile. And then verse two. My mind forgets to remind me you're a bad idea. You touch me once and it's really something. You find I'm even better than you imagined I would be. I'm on my guard for the rest of the world, but with you I know it's no good. And I could wait patiently, but I really wish you would. Drop everything now and then the chorus repeats and then the bridge. I run my fingers through your hair and watch the lights go wild. Just keep on keeping your eyes on me. It's just wrong enough to make it feel right. And lead me up the staircase, won't you whisper soft and slow. I'm captivated by you, baby, like a firework show. And then it stays kind of dropped out. Uh, the first part of this last time through the chorus, drop everything now, meet me in the pouring rain, kiss me on the sidewalk, and then a great little detail, the backing vocals do this really nice, uh <clears throat> excuse me, that's why I'm a drummer. Uh, <clears throat> the backing vocals do a really nice, ah, uh, after the kiss me on the sidewalk part that time through, then take away the pain because I see sparks fly whenever you, and then it starts to build back up. And uh, that's it. Track three, back to December. I put in the love category, but it's bordering on a goat as well, really. And sorry, but this one, I have to read the whole thing as well. I'm so glad you made time to see me. How's life? Tell me, how's your family? I haven't seen them in a while. You've been good, busier than ever. With small talk, work, and the weather. Your guard is up and I know why. And then the pre-chorus. Because the last time you saw me is still burned in the back of your mind. You gave me roses and I left them there to die. 
And then I love on this one how the drums transition from the pre-chorus to the chorus, which is, so this is me swallowing my pride, standing in front of you, saying I'm sorry for that night. And I go back to December all the time. It turns out freedom ain't nothing but missing you, wishing I'd realized what I had when you were mine. And then post-chorus, I go back to, I'd go back to December, turn around and make it all right. I go back to December all the time. Then verse two, these days I haven't been sleeping, staying up, playing back myself, leaving when your birthday passed and I didn't call. And I think about summer, all the beautiful times I watched you laughing from the passenger side and realized I loved you in the fall. And then pre-chorus this time is, and then the cold came, the dark days when fear crept into my mind. You gave me all your love and all I gave you was goodbye. And then it's back into the chorus and I'll cut it off there in the interest of time. And then track four is the title track, Speak Now. And I put this in the GOAT category. I might be overrating it, but I don't care. I love this song. I always have. It uh, features one of the coolest drum parts in a Taylor song and incidentally is the only Taylor song I've bothered to learn how to play on the drums. A great syncopated groove. The lyrics find Taylor standing up and saying something when the preacher says, speak now or forever hold your peace, as she refers to in the foreword for the album. And I am going to read all of them. So, intro, I am not the kind of girl who should be rudely barging in on a white veil occasion, but you are not the kind of boy who should be marrying the wrong girl. And then verse one, I sneak in and see your friends and her snotty little family all dressed in pastel, and she is yelling at a bridesmaid somewhere back inside a room wearing a gown shaped like a pastry. And then the pre-chorus, this is surely not what you thought it would be. I lose myself in a daydream where I stand and say, and then the chorus, don't say yes, run away now. I'll meet you when you're out of the church at the back door. Don't wait or say a single vow. You need to hear me out. And they said, speak now. And then verse two, fond gestures are exchanged and the organ starts to play a song that sounds like a death march, which is a funny little notion that, uh, it sounds more ominous and like impending doom when you're about to marry the wrong one. And I am hiding in the curtains. It seems that I was uninvited by your lovely bride-to-be. And then pre-chorus this time, she floats down the aisle like a pageant queen. But I know you wish it was me. You wish it was me, don't you? And there's a little laugh on the don't you that uh, is kind of like the, the laugh in Hey Steven. And then chorus... Uh, don't say yes, run away now, I'll meet you when you're out of the church at the back door, don't wait or say a single vow, you need to hear me out, and they said speak now, and then uh, says the, does the chorus again, and then there's an instrumental uh, interlude, and then the bridge, I hear the preacher say speak now or forever hold your peace, there's the silence, there's my last chance, I stand up with shaking hands, all eyes on me, horrified looks from everyone in the room, but I'm only looking at you. And then verse three, I am not the kind of girl who should be rudely barging in on a white veil occasion, but you are not the kind of boy who should be marrying the wrong girl. And then the chorus, uh, and then a chorus variation, and you say, let's run away now. I'll meet you when I'm out of my tux at the back door. Baby, I didn't say my vows. So glad you were around when they said speak now.
So yeah, I've always loved that one. I don't know if it appeals to the whatever fairy tale dreamer rom-com lover in me, but it's uh, the ending that you wish so many movies had. Five is Dear John, which I also put in the goat category. And, um, you know what? I'll read the whole thing of this one too. What the heck? It's already a really long episode. It's kind of a, uh, a precursor to All Too Well, which I'm sure you'll be able to hear. Verse 1. Long were the nights when my days once revolved around you, counting my footsteps, praying the floor won't fall through again. My mother accused me of losing my mind, but I swore I was fine. You paint me a blue sky, then go back and turn it to rain. And I lived in your chess game, but you changed the rules every day, wondering which version of you I might get on the phone tonight. Well, I stopped picking up, and this song is to let you know why. And then the chorus, Dear John, I see it all now that you're gone. Don't you think I was too young to be messed with? The girl in the dress cried the whole way home. I should have known. Then verse 2, Well, maybe it's me and my blind optimism to blame, or maybe it's you and your sick need to give love and take it away. And you'll add my name to your long list of traitors who don't understand. And I look back and regret how I ignored when they said, run as fast as you can. And then the chorus, which uh, has an extra part this time. Dear John, I see it all now that you're gone. Don't you think I was too young to be messed with? The girl in the dress cried the whole way home. Dear John, I see it all now. It was wrong. Don't you think 19's too young to be played by your dark twisted games when I loved you so? I should have known. And then bridge. You are an expert at sorry and keeping lines blurry, never impressed by me acing your tests. All the girls that you've run dry have tired lifeless eyes because you burned them out, but I took your matches before fire could catch me, so don't look now. I'm shining like fireworks over your sad empty town. And then it uh, repeats the uh, the chorus, but at the end, of the uh, last time through the chorus there. It's, don't you think I was too young to be messed with? The girl in the dress wrote you a song you should have known. So uh, quite the takedown there of who basically everybody assumes to be John Mayer and supposedly the bluesy lead guitar licks are intended to be yet another clue in that direction or a spoof of his... Uh, style of guitar playing at that time in his career. And I should have mentioned that earlier when I was talking about the stylistic variety on this album. It's the only one that has that kind of uh, bluesy lead guitar, which of course I'm a big fan of. Then track six, Mean, I put in the love category and it has some great lines too. It's addressed at a music critic who was particularly harsh towards her. Uh, I'll just read you the bridge. I, and I can see you years from now in a bar talking over a football game with that same big loud opinion, but nobody's listening, washed up and ranting about the same old bitter things, drunk and rambling on about how I can't sing, but all you are is mean. I think this is her best uh, sort of screw you to the 
Haters song, and I like it a lot better than Shake It Off, as I mentioned in the 1989 portion a few hours back. Gosh, I'm sorry. The Story of Us is next at track seven, and I put this one in the really like category. It uh, does a great job of playing on the whole fairy tale theme. I'll read you uh, through pre-chorus two, I think. Uh, bear with me. Verse one. I used to think one day we'd tell the story of us, how we met and the sparks flew instantly, and people would say they're the lucky ones. I used to know my place was a spot next to you. Now I'm searching the room for an empty seat, because lately I don't even know what page you're on. Then pre-chorus one, oh, a simple complication, miscommunications lead to fallout, so many things that I wish you knew, so many walls up I can't break through. Then chorus, now I'm standing alone in a crowded room and we're not speaking. And I'm dying to know, is it killing you like it's killing me? Yeah, I don't know what to say since the twist of fate when it all broke down. And the story of us looks a lot like a tragedy now. Next chapter, which I think is a great little addition. And then verse two, how'd we end up this way? Seeming nervously pulling at my clothes and trying to look busy. And you're doing your best to avoid me. I'm starting to think one day I'll tell the story of us, of how I was losing my mind when I saw you here, but you held your pride like you should have held me. Brilliant line. And then pre-chorus two. Oh, I'm scared to see the ending. Why are we pretending this is nothing? I'd tell you I miss you, but I don't know how. I've never heard silence quite this loud. More brilliance. And then into the chorus. It's just nuts to have that many awesome lines in every single song then track eight never grow up i put this one in the really like category it's written sort of to or about or at least dedicated to a a boy who taylor was made the godmother of uh, one of her friend's sons and i think she does an excellent job of uh, capturing what it feels like to be a parent I would imagine, uh, for someone who didn't have children then, and of course she still doesn't. Uh, verse one from the, is from the mom's perspective. Your little hands wrapped around my finger, and it's so quiet in the world tonight. Your little eyelids flutter because you're dreaming. So I tuck you in, turn on your favorite nightlight. To you, everything's funny. You got nothing to regret. I'd give all I have, honey, if you could stay like that. It could be from her perspective, actually, but the the fact that it says uh, tucking him in and stuff, I'm guessing it's supposed to be the mom, but regardless. And then the rest of the song is sort of in advice from Taylor to the child as it grows up. I especially like verse two. You're in the car on the way to the movies and you're mortified your mom's dropping you off. At 14, there's just so much you can't do, and you can't wait to move out someday and call your own shots. But don't make her drop you off around the block. Remember that she's getting older too. And don't lose the way that you dance around in your PJs getting ready for school. And then the bridge is really good too. Take pictures in your mind of your childhood room. Memorize what it sounded like when your dad gets home. Remember the footsteps, remember the words said and all your little brother's favorite songs. I just realized everything I have is someday going to be gone. So here I am in my new apartment, in a big city they just dropped me off. 
It's so much colder than I thought it would be, so I tuck myself in and turn my nightlight on. Wish I'd never grown up. I'd wish I'd never grown up. Next up with track nine, we have what I think I would still say is my favorite Taylor song, and that is Enchanted. It's probably her most magical song on her most magical album, and it describes meeting someone for the first time and knowing it was special and hoping the first time isn't the last time. And of course, with it being my favorite, you know I'm going to read you the whole thing, so sit back. Verse 1, there I was again tonight, forcing laughter, faking smiles, same old tired, lonely place, walls of insincerity, shifting eyes and vacancy, vanished when I saw your face, all I can say is it was enchanting to meet you. And then verse 2, your eyes whispered, have we met, which is great imagery by the way, across the room your silhouette starts to make its way to me. The playful conversation starts, counter all your quick remarks, like passing notes in secrecy, and it was enchanting to meet you. All I can say is I was enchanted to meet you. And then the chorus, this night is sparkling, don't you let it go. I'm wonderstruck, blushing all the way home. I'll spend forever wondering if you knew I was enchanted to meet you. And verse 3, the lingering question kept me up, 2 a.m., who do you love? I wonder till I'm wide awake, and now I'm pacing back and forth, wishing you were at my door. I'd open up and you would say, hey, it was enchanting to meet you. All I know is I was enchanted to meet you. And chorus two, this night is sparkling, don't you let it go. I'm wonderstruck, blushing all the way home. I'll spend forever wondering if you knew. This night is flawless, don't you let it go. I'm wonderstruck, dancing around all alone. I'll spend forever wondering if you knew I was enchanted to meet you. And then bridge, this is me praying that this was the very first page, more uh, fairy tale storybook imagery, not where the storyline ends. My thoughts will echo your name until I see you again. These are the words I held back as I was leaving too soon. I was enchanted to meet you. And the breakdown, please don't be in love with someone else. Please don't have somebody waiting on you. Please don't be in love with someone else. Please don't have somebody waiting on you. And then it just repeats the chorus again and has that breakdown part over the outro. I just think that perfectly describes an indescribable feeling, that ethereal, ephemeral, meet-cute that feels like the stars aligning. And the feeling afterwards of thinking of all the things you should have said and praying you'll see them again and hoping that they're single. Next up, track 10, Better Than Revenge, is the uh, probably the weakest and most maligned track on the album. Uh, it takes a lot of heat for the line, she's not a saint and she's not what you think, she's an actress, whoa, she's better known for the things that she does on the mattress, which uh, a lot of people have come after come after her for as being uh, slut-shamey. But I think some of that's blown out of proportion. I mean, the person who it's about stole a guy, Joe Jonas, who she was in love with. I don't think it's that uh, terrible and kind of uh, along the lines of what Taylor sang in The Man off of Lover last year, uh, 
rap, plenty of male rappers get away with saying far worse things. The highlight of the song for me is pre-chorus two, which goes, but sophistication isn't what you wear, or who you know, or pushing people down to get you where you want to go. Oh, they didn't teach you that in prep school, so it's up to me, but no amount of vintage dresses gives you dignity. This also could be an unpopular opinion, but this is actually my favorite of her revenge slash celebrity feud songs. I like it better than uh, Bad Blood, better than Look What You Made Me Do, better than This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. I think that would be a closer call. Uh, Mad Woman would be the only uh, one that I might like better uh, other than that. Oh, and I forgot that you existed, I suppose. Track 11 is Innocent, which was written more or less uh, towards Kanye West after his infamous uh, interrupting of Taylor's acceptance speech at the 2009 VMAs for the You Belong With Me video when he uh, kind of barged his way in front of her to the mic and basically said he thought the selection people got it wrong and Beyonce should have won. Anyhow, so Taylor wrote this one basically saying you're still an innocent and uh, forgiving him, essentially. The highlights for me, though, are the pre-choruses, uh, both the lyrics and the vocal inflections she puts on them, uh, going falsetto. So the first time through, it's wasn't it easier in your lunchbox days, always a bigger bed to crawl into. Wasn't it beautiful when you believed in everything and everybody believed in you? And then the second time is, wasn't it easier in your firefly catching days when everything out of reach someone bigger brought down to you? Wasn't it beautiful running wild till you fell asleep before the monsters caught up to you? And her forgiving of Kanye in one of the courses, it's okay, life is a tough crowd, 32 and still growing up now. Who you are is not what you did. You're still an innocent. And I think I had innocent in the really like category. Track 12 then is Haunted, which I had in the like category, uh, Better Than Revenge, and it being the only two that didn't make it to at least really like on this album. And that was part of what boosted Speak Now to such a crazy high score compared to the others was that... Uh, None of its songs ranked below, at least like uh, the only other one that didn't have any in the the dislike or skip was 1989, but it had two neutrals. Uh, anyway, okay, so back to Haunted. Uh, this one describes uh, when you can tell that uh, something has gone wrong and it blows up or falls apart really suddenly and you're left wondering why. Uh, verse 1 goes, you and I walk a fragile line. I have known it all this time, but I never thought I'd live to see it break. And the last line of the pre-chorus really sums up the feeling perfectly. Something's made your eyes go cold. Track 13 is Last Kiss, and I have this one in the love category. Uh, basically, the whole thing is a highlight, so I'll try to go quick. 
I still remember the look on your face lit through the darkness at 1.58, the words that you whispered for just us to know. You told me you loved me, so why did you go away, away? I do recall now the smell of the rain, fresh on the pavement, I ran off the plane. That July 9th, the beat of your heart, it jumps through your shirt, I can still feel your arms. And then the chorus, but now I'll go sit on the floor wearing your clothes. All that I know is I don't know how to be something you miss. I never thought we'd have a last kiss. Never imagined we'd end like this. Your name forever the name on my lips. Then verse two, I do remember the swing of your step, the life of the party you're showing off again. And I roll my eyes and then you pull me in. I'm not much for dancing, but for you I did. Because I love your handshake, meeting my father, I love how you walk with your hands in your pockets, which is a major uh, songwriting flex, by the way, to rhyme father with pockets. How you kissed me when I was in the middle of saying something. There's not a day I don't miss those rude interruptions. And chorus again. And then the bridge, which is the highlight of the song. So I'll watch your life in pictures like I used to watch you sleep. And I feel you forget me like I used to feel you breathe. And I'll keep up with our old friends just to ask them how you are. Hope it's nice where you are. And it modulates when it flips to that. And I'll keep up with our old friends just to ask them how you are with to uh, great effect. And and I hope the sun shines and it's a beautiful day and something reminds you you wish you had stayed. You can plan for a change in the weather and time, but I never planned on you changing your mind. Then the chorus again, and then it ends with your name forever the name on my lips, just like our last kiss. Forever the name on my lips, forever the name on my lips, just like our last. This one is just really... uh, beautiful and delicate, uh, one of my favorites. And then closing things out is Long Live, which I think is potentially her best closer. It might not be the best song in its own right, but as far as uh, how well it ties together the theme of the album, uh, it's tough to beat. It's also kind of a nice bookend to this era of her career, not just Speak Now, but her career up through this point, kind of a uh, a farewell to fairy tales. Almost, I'll explain that a bit more in a second. Anyhow, so Long Live is about her and her band on tour, but I also think it intentionally lends itself to being about high school friend groups, or high school lovers, or high school teams, or any other sort of group like that. And very last song, what the heck, I might as well read the whole thing. Verse one, I said, remember this moment in the back of my mind, the time we stood with our shaking hands, the crowds and stands went wild. We were the kings and the queens, and they read off our names. The night you danced like you knew our lives would never be the same. You held your head like a hero on a history book page. It was the end of a decade, but the start of an age. Then the chorus, long live the walls we crashed through. All the kingdom lights shine just for me and you. I was screaming long live all the magic we made and bring on all the pretenders. One day we will be remembered. And verse two, I said, remember this feeling 
I passed the pictures around of all the years that we stood there on the sidelines wishing for right now. We are the kings and the queens. You trade your baseball cap for a crown when they gave us our trophies and we held them up for our town. And the cynics were outraged, screaming this is absurd, because for a moment a band of thieves in ripped up jeans got to rule the world. Then the chorus again, long live the walls we crashed through, all the kingdom lights shine just for me and you. I was screaming long live all the magic we made and bring on all the pretenders. I'm not afraid. Long live all the mountains we moved. I had the time of my life fighting dragons with you. I was screaming long live that look on your face and bring on all the pretenders. One day we will be remembered. Then the bridge hold on to spinning around. Confetti falls to the ground. May these memories break our fall. And then the breakdown, which is the best part and one of my favorite sections of any Taylor song, actually. Will you take a moment, promise me this, that you'll stand by me forever. But if, God forbid, fate should step in and force us into a goodbye, if you have children someday, when they point to the pictures, please tell them my name. Tell them how the crowds went wild. Tell them how I hope they shine. Long live the walls we crashed through. I had the time of my life with you. Then back into the chorus, long, long live the walls we crashed through, all the kingdom lights shined just for me and you. I was screaming, long live all the magic we made, and bring on all the pretenders, I'm not afraid, singing, long live all the mountains we moved, I had the time of my life fighting dragons with you, and long, long live that look on your face, and bring on all the pretenders, one day we will be remembered. I think it's cool how she, slightly tongue-in-cheek, leaned in extra hard to the whole fairy tale thing with long live and kings and queens and had the time of my life fighting dragons with you to wrap up her most fantasy-related, magical, fairy tale sort of album and to wrap up that era of her career in a way. And I just love that part in the breakdown But if, God forbid, fate should step in and force us into a goodbye, if you have children someday, when they point to the pictures, please tell them my name, tell them how the crowds went wild, tell them how I hope they shine. I think that's a beautiful and mature sentiment uh, towards a first love that, like, yeah, I know it might not last forever, but if you have kids, uh, tell them my name and tell them I hope they shine. As far as general thoughts about Speak Now, I think it's the purest, most unadulterated Taylor of all her albums. It sounds like she isn't trying to fit any particular mold or genre or craft a big radio hit, but rather she made exactly the album she wanted to make and just tried to distill what she hears in her head as clearly as possible. It uh, digs deeper into the fairy tale themes of Fearless while making them more mature, with lines like the story of us looks a lot like a tragedy now. It's a sparkling, wide-eyed, wonderstruck ode to fantasy and to seeing the magic in the mundane. At the same time, as I mentioned, it's almost a farewell to fairy tales with the line, if God forbid fate should step in and long live, it's almost like she's either aware that she's taken the fairy tale theme as far as she can or has decided that she's had enough of it because of her age or whatever the reason might have been but she gives it one final 
send off as in like, you'll always be my first love or this will always be the real me deep down sort of thing. And going back to fantasy, albeit in a different way on folklore this past month uh, seems to substantiate that theory. I think only red potentially has higher peaks than speak now, but speak now has by far the fewest and highest or least detrimental uh, valleys of any album in her catalog, even better than Revenge, which, I, as I said, takes the most heat, is stylistically unique in her catalog and is so energetic and short that it doesn't really become a drag. I would swap hours for it, though, uh, which was one of the bonus tracks and I think was good enough to have made the cut for the album. And uh, I believe Taylor kind of agrees with that, by the fact that she made a music video for it. Uh, but Speak Now is her longest album by running time, even though it's only 14 songs. It's an hour and seven minutes, so that could be why she left it off. In fact, I like Speak Now so much that it's the only one other than now folklore, potentially, that I would consider choosing instead of the Led Zeppelin album at the corresponding uh, spot in their career. What I mean by that is I wouldn't choose the debut over Led Zeppelin 1. I wouldn't choose Fearless over Led Zeppelin 2. I wouldn't choose Red over Led Zeppelin 4. I wouldn't choose 1989 over Houses of the Holy. I wouldn't choose Reputation over Physical Graffiti. I wouldn't choose Lover over presence i might choose folklore over in through the outdoor depending on the day and i very well might choose speak now over led zeppelin 3 which is saying something because i'm not a led zeppelin 3 hater like some uh critics or uh, casual fans are uh i think speak now is that good I hope Taylor can surpass it someday because that would mean we got one hell of an album from her, but I have my doubts because she set the bar really, really high with Speak Now. And if we are able to have even a few moments in our lives that are as enchanted as those described in the songs on Speak Now, then we would be very much the better for it. So with that, I will finally draw this episode to its conclusion. I'm sorry that it was so long. I really tried to avoid that. That's why I spent three solid days and three weeks before that preparing for this one to try to whittle it down. But my whittling down ended up at a 17-page outline, so I guess I'm not surprised that this one is likely going to clock in at over three hours when I upload it here in a second. So sorry about that. Thank you for sticking with it if you've made it this far. And thank you for being a loyal listener if that's you or a new one if that's you. And if you're new, please uh, like, subscribe. If you could give a rating and review, that's really helpful to me. And I really appreciate all of the support from all of you. I am at 474 downloads at the time of this recording in 26 countries and 130 cities, I believe. So uh, 
I'd love to be able to do a little, little tour sometime and meet all of you and see some new places once the lockdown's over. In the meantime, uh, thank you for your support, and I will see you next time. Class dismissed.